does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. way to start this Friday morning. Kevin Aquari live here at the NFL Combine. It is our final day here this week. Shane Steichen at 9 o'clock. Ryan Grigson at 9.30. But the Purdue Boilermakers, they are the outright Big Ten champions. And it is quite the feat. I know certainly uh, here over the last five days, uh, there's probably been some, un- I would say some nervy moments for Purdue fans with their recent play. But you cannot deny the Big Ten season they have had, particularly away from home. Last night they win at Wisconsin. They actually clinched the outright Big Ten a little bit earlier in the game with Michigan losing at Illinois. But a whole lot to get to today with the Boilermakers of Purdue. Not only winning the Big Ten, but winning it by multiple games. So good Friday morning to good Friday morning to you again. We are live here at the NFL Combine. The quarterbacks, that is the probably the biggest headline of the day. Bryce Young going to meet the media here in about an hour. They will throw tomorrow. Um, So we'll hear from Bryce Young, we'll hear from C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, all those guys today, and then tomorrow at 1 o'clock, all of them will throw outside of Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker. Mark Dykton, any time one of us calls each other before 7 a.m., uh, I get a little bit of a sinking feeling. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if you feel the same way. It, it's very rare, uh, to be fair. Um, sure enough, Jake Query with the call around, boy, what, let me see if I can pull up the old uh, timestamp here on the call. 6.52 a.m., Jake gives me a ring and says that uh, Combine Security is not letting him in because he has forgotten his credential at home and sure enough mark i think it's going to be you and me here for the first uh few minutes of the show uh yeah sounds about it yeah not not ideal for the start of the day yeah i was worried the other day when uh you know (laughs) i was dealing with the traffic issue yesterday uh which was still going on when i came home from work yesterday but uh yeah i was getting worried yesterday but yeah jake jake pulled the uh the short straw this morning do you think this is uh karma from his continued thoughts about how many fans were at the nfl draft in nashville do you think the nfl is saying watch this for sure yeah i think they're like oh okay mr smart guy I think we got something for you right here. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I tried to go out there and vouch for him. Uh, you know, I pulled. I, I was like, uh, let me pull up his email. Let me pull up his Twitter account. Uh, safe to say, uh, that did not work. So I, I believe Jake is headed home to field the credential. I don't know if he's texted you, Mark, and told you anything otherwise. Not yet, but yeah, that walk from uh, our parking garage to the convention center is a good 10, 15 minute walk to begin with, and then having to get there and then get in your car go home and come back and do the same walk again yeah it might be uh the first hour might be pretty uh jake query 
you know, I guess good thing that he we've got the guests kind of loaded up more in the 9 o'clock hour. Greg Gregstar will join us 8 o'clock today. We are getting a bit of sectional weather, uh, rain in the forecast all day here in Indianapolis. Good news, we've got the skywalks for the prospects. But up north, it sounds like some snow in the northern part of the state, which is typical here as sectional semifinals for the boys tonight and the finals tomorrow. Yeah, my mom, Nick, te- my mom texted me yesterday, are you guys getting snow? I'm like, a lot of rain. I don't think any snow, but apparently, the, uh, yeah, north Northwest Indiana and Illinois are going to get smacked with some snow. Yeah, I saw like four to seven inches potentially up in the very northern parts of the state. Uh, Nick, who is running our YouTube stream here, you just ran out there. No, no sign of them. They're sending them across the hall. They're sending them across the hall here. You, I mean, do you think we'll get a background check in for Jake Query to get him in the building? This is lit. I mean, this is peak. This is no internet issue, no headset issue. This is just Jake here on a Friday. So I thought he was off to St. Pete already. They're sending him across the hall to do what? Well, I don't know if he's going to go run the 40 or what, but I, yeah, I, I have no idea, to be honest with you. Uh, we are again in uh, the Hoosier corridor inside of the convention center. Uh, the quarterbacks will meet the media around 8 o'clock today. And like we said, Shane Steichen at 9 and Ryan Grigson going to join us here at 9.30. Uh, what Purdue has accomplished this season, I, I get it. Purdue fans, so much is mid-March and beyond. And I, I understand that that is how many of these seasons get evaluated and certainly get remembered. But this is a team that lost the fifth overall pick. Lost to first team all Ameri- or first team all Big Ten and Trayvon Williams, Sasha Stevanovich started eighty some games in his career. Hell, they lost their starting point guard, and yet they are going to win the Big Ten right now. They are three games up in the Big Ten, so they're going to win it by at least multiple games. And honestly, Jake would be the one that you know could certainly add to this. But from a historical standpoint, like teams don't win the Big Ten by three games. Teams rarely win the Big Ten by multiple games, but yet that is what Purdue has accomplished this season. Last night was one of the wilder games you're going to see from the Cole Center. Uh, I looked back at the play-by-play. How about this, Mark? From the 12:59 mark of the second half until the end of the game, it was a one-possession lead one way or the other. Wow. Yeah, that's. I didn't realize that. I was watching the game, but I, I didn't realize that it was that close for that long a period of time. But that tells you, you know, what kind of game it was last night. It was. It was. It wasn't the highest scoring game. Oh, Jake is calling me, so you might have to stall for a minute. Okay. All right. All right. Keep us posted on that. Hell, bring him on air for all for, for all we care. Um, one possession game for the final thirteen minutes. It was a one point game for really like a six or seven minute stretch. Uh, Purdue made their free throws pretty much in the final two minutes. Seven of eight from the foul line. I know Ethan Morton did miss one, but Brandon Newman hit a couple. One and ones as well. Zach Eady hit a couple. Braden Smith and Eady had missed some earlier in the game. So uh, just, again, I I think if you're a Purdue fan, you obviously have the scar tissue from what's happened in the tournament, certainly what happened last year. But how do you not celebrate and acknowledge a pretty incredible Accomplishment seven and three away from home in the Big Ten that speaks for itself, uh, and they are. The, and before last night, it was known they would be the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament, but they clinch it outright. They'll end things with Illinois coming up from Mackey on Sunday. That'll be Senior Day for the Boilermakers in Bloomington. It'll be Indiana at, or excuse me, Indiana hosting 
uh, Michigan for their senior day. So Trace Jackson Davis and company honored on Sunday afternoon in Bloomington. And with all the chaos last night in the Big Ten, we had a lot of it. You know, Minnesota beating Rutgers at the buzzer. Uh, obviously the wild game with Illinois outlasting Michigan. Uh, Indiana's still in line for that double bye. Um, so when you look at the Big Ten bracket right now, we could be looking at a Purdue. If, if the seeds hold, we could be looking at a Purdue-Indiana Saturday afternoon semifinal game. Part of me, and I know this is kind of a weird thought to say, part of me thinks it might be beneficial for Indiana not to get the double bye. And I say that solely because of the reintegration of Xavier Johnson. Mm -hmm. That would give you the extra game. You know, it would be like Indiana versus, you know, whoever, Minnesota, Ohio State, one of those teams playing that extra game. And if you were able to kind of commit to Xavier Johnson in that game for a decent amount of minutes, assuming he's going to make his return, I think that could be of benefit. Whereas if you don't get the double by that obviously eliminates one of those games i know that's not really thinking about the bracket and thinking about the best way possible maybe to win in a big 10 title although iowa did it last year from the five seed spot but i do think that is maybe a, a slight benefit that indiana could get if they don't get the double by here in the big 10 tournament what's the worst case scenario for you as far as where iu will seed uh overall in the tournament well, I, before we get there, do we have an update from our uh, fearless <laughs> so co-host? Jake called and he said, they will not let me in. What should I do? And I was like, well, three hours over the phone is not going to sound great. So it sounds like he is going to make the trek from the uh, convention center back to our garage, back to his house, back here, back to the convention center. So he's like, I might be MIA for like an hour. So he's apologizing um, profusely and all that stuff. Just when you think you've seen it all, you know? <laughs> I never want to hear an, in, uh, an ounce of grief from him again when one of us has an issue. Like, oh, yeah, remember that time you forgot your credential and couldn't get in to the NFL Combine, the elite NFL Combine uh, I, I don't know about situation? you, Mark, but I just leave it in my car. I leave it in my backpack. The backpack okay. I carry with me every single day. That way I always have it. Although yeah. I saw him yesterday when, we were walk- when I, was, I was walking into the Combine, he was walking out. And I said, you're... Uh, your backpack is leaking, and he had Diet Mountain Dew that spilled in his backpack. So maybe that's why he had it. He did not have it in there. He's cleaning out his backpack, but um, yeah, he's like, oh, my, my Mountain Dew spilled open. I'm like, well, that's an issue. So yeah, so jQuery uh, might be jQuery list for the the better part of the first hour of the show today. But he will keep me updated, and then I will inform you and the listeners uh, what the latest status is on him. Never cease to amaze with that one. Again, Greg Rakestraw, 8 o'clock. Shane Steichen, 9.05. Ryan Grigson at 9.30. Yesterday, the defensive linemen, linebackers got on the field for workouts. Today, it'll be the DBs. Uh, tomorrow will be the quarterbacks thrown to the wideouts and tight ends. And then, like I said earlier, you will have quarterbacks meet the media coming up a little bit later this morning. Ironically enough, that was actually something that Chris Ballard mentioned that the Colts will keep an eye on. That They are curious to kind of how these guys will react um, to everything that they're thrown into here this week at the Combine. So Bryce Young at 8 o'clock. If I look at the schedule correctly, C.J. Stroud at 8.20. I kind of forgot, Mark, that Aiden O'Connell is also yeah, here. Yeah, he, he slips under the radar because obviously we're focused on the top tier quarterbacks you kind of forget that he's there and a couple other guys that you're like oh yeah i guess i guess that is one to possibly keep an eye on not necessarily for the colts but uh, yeah, from, a local, from a local standpoint mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah so stroud and o'connell at 820 anthony richardson at 840 will levis in the 10 o'clock hour i know we touched on this a little bit yesterday but i think it's worth mentioning again you have the colts at four you have houston at two 
we've talked so much about that trade up and the dynamic there with Chicago at one and Arizona at three. But I was saying yesterday, you look at the five teams right behind Indianapolis. I could talk myself into any of those five trading up for a quarterback. And in order, it goes Seattle, Detroit, Las Vegas, Atlanta. Um, and then you've got Carolina, Frank Reich, and the Panthers at number nine. I think it's also worth pointing out, not only are those five teams potentially looking for a quarterback, several of those teams have some ammo that they could trade mm-hmm. up with. Seattle's got two first-round picks, 5 and 20. Detroit's got two first-round picks, 6 and 18. We know Carolina's got the extra second-rounder via the Christian McCaffrey trade. So when you're talking about teams that could move up, we shouldn't lose sight of, again, a few of those teams right behind the Colts. Now, you know, would Chicago be comfortable moving all the way back to five or six? Would Arizona be comfortable moving all the way back to five or six? That's a worthy debate. But the fact that they have two first-round picks, you know, Houston's got two and 12. Seattle's got five and 20. Detroit's got six and 18. You talk about the three teams right around Indianapolis that are probably most talked about in this quarterback market. They've got a whole lot more to offer than the Colts can. And that's why I've mentioned it, and Colts fans haven't want to hear it, but you're going to have to overpay if you're trying to get the top spot from the Bears because, like you just said, look around. Teams that have multiple first-round picks, they can offer those to the Bears or the Cardinals and get you know go up and move and leapfrog the Colts, whereas the Colts have the one first-round pick. They have a high second-round pick, but you're going to have to start looking at 2024 and beyond uh, to you know entice someone like the Bears or the Cardinals. So you're going to have to overpay if your goal is to get to the number one spot and get your pick of the litter when it comes to quarterbacks so again we'll hear from bryce young coming up at eight o'clock are we gonna do a height check i i I think we should do a height check like when you whenever you or jake arrives you guys should do a height check and uh you know see if that's you know cause for concern because i saw a video of him arriving at the convention center and he did look small so what uh, happens first bryce young meets a media at eight or jake query reappears with his oh boy uh give me give me bryce young please are we more worried about Bryce Young's height or weight? Yeah, I mean, 5'10", I mean, I, I'm, I'm one of those. I'm in that ballpark for height anyway, so I, I don't want to say that he's short and stuff. But for an NFL quarterback, <laughs> he's a bit short. But yeah, 194, I mean, that's a slight frame that, you know, you have to wonder if that's going to hold up through an entire NFL schedule, especially when 300-pound guys are, you know, are bearing down on you and everything. So he might have the elusiveness and, you know, be really dynamic back there. But, you know, eventually you're going to start taking some hits and, can he stay healthy for a full NFL schedule? It remains to be seen. 197 and a half. That is our over-under on the Bryce Young weigh-in. I believe that will... I think that occurs today. Maybe it's tomorrow. I know they have changed the schedule a little bit, but um, that will obviously be a big-time headline. Again, good Friday morning to you from the Combine. We are live here at the Convention Center. Jake Quarry has forgotten his credential. Um, he should be joining us, hopefully, at some point uh, coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, the other big one last night outside of Purdue, outright Big Ten champions, as we talked about to lead off the show. Uh, a pretty ugly performance by the Pacers in the Alamo. They lose to the Spurs, and frankly, I just thought they got out-athleted and out-hustled. Uh, It was another performance without Tyrese Halliburton that literally if I'm Halliburton's agent, Mark, what I would do is whenever contract talks begin, I would splice together all of the highlights from the Pacers playing without Halliburton this season. I think their record is now 2-12, and and I would say, 
Yeah. How about this for leverage? Because yeah. they are literally awful without him. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, you could make a case that he's the most valuable player in the NBA because when he's not on the court, the Pacers are a completely different team. And just, I mean, the Spurs are just atrocious and they just got shellacked yesterday by them. And I I, I think you're, you, you, for your perspective, at least you got the uh, Mavericks win. So maybe you felt a little better. Like, okay. Uh, but know, that was yeah. one I felt mm-hmm. like that was, you know. I thought it was in the bag. I thought it was I mean, in the San Antonio. Too. Like when you look at San Antonio's roster, I mean they're literally Victor Webanyama pr- should probably start looking for places in San Antonio. I mean they are. I, I know they are up there with Houston and I think Detroit is you know having the worst record in the league. But they have just got a bunch of random, yeah, random I, dudes. If you on get their if team. you stopped anyone at the NFL Combine and said name three Spurs players, oh. I, you might be there all day. Literally, literally, and they'd say Tim Duncan. Maybe they should have asked Jake that to try to get him in. All right. <laughs> Ask, your security question will be name three San Antonio Spurs. Answer me these questions three. <laughs> uh, the other issue I had last night, Pacers related, and this has been an issue now for the second time in the last month, Benedict Matherin gets 15 minutes of playing time. Um, you're going to tell me no Tyrese Halliburton. Andrew Nemhard goes 0 for 8. Aaron Neesmith goes 0 for 4. And you're playing Benedict Mather in 15 minutes, the second fewest he's played all year? Yeah, I, I'm curious, and I haven't really heard Rick Carlisle explain what's going on there. If that's just like maybe just the minutes catching up to him on a full his first full NBA season or something, but it, it is, is a this, weird situation. Is this like the leash thing you're trying to do? You're trying to send a message? I mean, he scored He scored when he was out there last night. He did have a couple of turnovers, but it's not like Neesmith and Nemhard were, were, were doing anything deserving of minutes. Chris Duarte was probably the best player for you last night, so he definitely deserved some minutes. But it's weird. Like, if you're thinking long-term, you obviously would play Matherin. If you're thinking short-term, again, he continues to be – he is one of your better players on a night when you're struggling to score, you don't get to 100, on a night when you shoot 11 free throws, which I believe is one of the fewest, if not the fewest, attempts they've had all season long. Um, I once again did not understand the Matherin – usage last night so one more game for the Pacers on this road trip they'll have the Bulls that is a 3:30 matinee on Sunday and they, they'll return home to face the 76ers on Monday I did think it was a really cool gesture by the staff members and Chrissy Myers and their PR department Tyrese Halliburton I saw was wearing I think TJ McConnell was wearing uh, the uh, David Benner sweatshirts last night so a really nice gesture by the Pacers in doing that and it was cool to see yesterday a little bit more of kind of national chatter Malika Andrews on uh, one of the ESPN shows in the afternoon gave a uh, gave a tribute um, to David Benner, and I think Brian Windhorst did the same on his podcast. So um, really nice to see some of the national support um, for the Benner family right now. Um, again, we are live here at the Combine. Um, it is sectional semifinal and final weekend for the boys coming up, and we're getting some sectional weather tonight, more in the rain here centrally up north some snow in the forecast. Uh, Jake is off to St. Pete later today. So for for a split second there, Mark, I thought to myself, man, maybe he just, I totally like whiffed on this and it's Mark and I doing the show and <laughs> he's off to St. Pete, but I think that is this afternoon that he's flying out for the first IndyCar race of the year. I believe so, but given the start to his day, he might want to, you know, make sure he's got everything packed before he gets to the airport today because he might be like, oh, I forgot my underwear. I forgot my, my wallet or something. So yeah, not That's a great a start point. for Jake, but he's going to play that excuse, isn't he? When he, when he, yeah, when he shows he's like, up. Oh, 
oh, you know what? I just forgot. You know, I'm, I got the. I can go into St. Pete on this weekend, and I'm going to be on a red eye flight Sunday into Monday. That that'll be interesting too. The Monday show when a sleep deprived Jake Query oh, shows yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we we honestly might hope he forgets his key card maybe to the old <laughs> building for that one. Uh, Mike Chappell's in the building at 7:20. That's when you know there's some news happening on this Friday. Uh, Chap is admittedly not a morning person, so the quarterbacks are going to meet the media here coming up starting at 8 o'clock, and that will get a whole lot of attention on this Friday morning. And Shane Steichen going to join us at 9:05. We'll have Ryan Grigson at 9:30. Looking ahead to uh, this weekend, you saw yesterday Indiana State won their opener in the MoVal tournament. Uh, they've got Belmont today in a 4-5 matchup. So Indiana State uh, going to have to win three more in Arch Madness for them to clinch their spot in the NCAA tournament. But they handled Evansville uh, pretty handily yesterday. Um, and then we talked about it a little bit earlier. There is the potential right now. A lot of different scenarios could unfold, but there is the potential. Purdue, we know, will be the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. For Indiana to be either the four or the five, and if the seeds were to hold, if Indiana was the four seed, they would take on Purdue Saturday afternoon up there at the United Center. Man, I'm thinking about this out loud. That's a busy... I guess yeah, that would be next week. And I totally spaced for a second. I thought to myself, wait, aren't the Pacers playing in the United Center coming up? But that's Sunday. And then the Big Ten tournament is next weekend up there in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's easy to get your schedules confused. These, I was like, how gosh. much basketball is being played in and around the state of Indiana, Illinois, all that stuff. But uh, we also have some Ball State tickets we got to give away, too. We oh, yes, yes. That. Thank you for that. Yeah, tonight they've got Toledo at Worthen Arena. It's their final home game of the season. I think their final regular season game of the year. Michael Lewis's bunch has had a great season. Uh, they have lost three of four, so looking to get a win here before the MAC tournament begins. So we will give away three pairs of Ball State tickets for tonight. That's a 7 o'clock tip, right, Mark? I believe so, yeah. So I think we save one pair for the pop quiz, and then the other ones we'll just call for, like, you know, call our number five or something at some point, whenever you want to do that. Um, We're going to have to get a little flexible with the pop quiz today, right? Yes, for sure. Yeah, the 9 o'clock hour is a bit busy, that's for sure. 9 o'clock, very busy coming up again. Shane Steichen at 9.05. It's our first conversation with the Colts head coach. And then 9.30, Ryan Grigson is going to join us. I'm still in awe last night of that Purdue-Wisconsin game. Like, it is... You know, it was a four-point spread. I guess Purdue was favored coming into the game, so you expected a close game. But for the final 13 minutes, you literally had a one-possession game. Neither team led by more than three points. It was a one-point game from like the seven-minute stretch until the final 20 seconds or so, um, which was pretty incredible. Wisconsin missed a heave at the buzzer there for the victory. Chap, you coming over here? How about Jay Quarry for getting his credential? Do you have yours? <laughs> Chap just got very startled, Mark, when, when, when I asked him that. I think I think Chap has enough clout, though. He would be able to get in the building here. Oh, yeah, for sure. Jake Quarry, Jake Quarry wishes he had the clout that Mike Chappell has. What do you think Jake said? Like, yeah, I mean, how do you – do you not know who I am? Right. I mean, he had to have. Uh, again, Chap here early this morning as the quarterbacks will meet the media coming up uh, starting at 8 o'clock here 
in the convention center. Zach Eady, 17 and 19 last night. I thought Fletcher Lawyer gave them some consistency that was much needed, but still the, the, the biggest issue right now for Purdue continues to be shooting the ball from behind the arc. They overcame it last night, 4 of 19 from 3. They made a couple starting lineup changes. You saw Brandon Newman in there for... Ethan Morton. Morton actually hit a couple big threes off the bench for them. I, I like that. I like starting Newman. Um, I know he didn't shoot it great last night, but I think he offers you a little bit more on the offensive end of the floor um, than certainly Morton was. Mason Gillis also started over Caleb first. So clearly Matt Painter trying to change up some things here as Purdue has had that recent struggle to end February into March. But they get it done last night. Free throws late, defense late, and they clinch the Big Ten title outright a hell of an accomplishment for the boilers considering everything they lost from last year and i'll reiterate what i said to lead off the show you just do not see big 10 teams win the conference by multiple games and if they beat illinois on sunday in Mackey, they will win the big 10 by three games i was looking it up last night mark i think it's the only the second time since 2009 that you would have a big 10 winner win the conference by three games wow yeah that's that's impressive that it's been that close but then i don't know what happens once march you know once Mar- march madness some starts it seems like i know the big it, 10 teams I, struggle for some reason i don't know if it's because they, sure. they're in those tight fights for the entire season or something but maybe that'll it, change this year i fully acknowledge purdue fans i mean that's a huge issue and if you're hell if you're an iu fan it's the first thing you go to with purdue fans granted recently iu doesn't have a whole lot to brag about in the month of March, but it's to me, it's an incredible accomplishment what Purdue was able to get done this season. I mean, they are one of the youngest teams uh, in, in certainly in the Power Five, definitely in the Big Ten, and for you to accomplish that with losing so much, what they did away from home and going seven and three during the Big Ten season, and again winning the conference by multiple games. Um, I understand the season will be remembered for what happens coming up in a few weeks, but still, I think you got to celebrate what they did in the Big Ten. All right, live here at the Combine, I am Kevin Bowen. Uh, Jake Query is back uh, en route to his apartment, trying to his credential. He was not allowed in without it. Um, he tried to plea. I went out there. I, I, I showed I, – I didn't know what to do, Mark. I, I showed him, like, his email and his Twitter account. Uh-huh. I, 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 Does this work? <laughs> Should I have done anything else? Should I have I shown like, pictures on my phone? I, I I couldn't really vouch for him in the manner. All these security guards just looked at me like, dude, just go back in there. And I was like, all right. <laughs> you're in, uh, you're the in the sh- clear. We'll take care of this guy. The show is starting. So hopefully Jake will join us coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Greg Gregstraw at 8. Shane Steichen at 9.05. Ryan Grigson at 9.30. Good Friday morning to you. It is a rainy day here in Indianapolis. and sounds like that's going to be uh, the storyline really all on this Friday. A sectional semifinal night around the state. Kevin Aquari right here on 93.5-1075. The fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The hustle and the bustle of the NFL Combine alive and well on this Friday morning. Bryce Young going to meet the media here at the top of the hour. This is easily the most action we've seen here 
uh, at 7.30 all week long. It's quarterback day here at the Combine. But let's begin with what happened last night in Madison. I guess Purdue found out probably in the first half that they got it done, but they got a win to validate it. They are the outright Big Ten champs, 63-61, a hell of an accomplishment for one of the youngest teams in college basketball and a team that lost a whole lot from last season. Here was Matt Painter afterwards on a Big Ten championship. It's the journey and it's the things that you go through and some of the tough things and sometimes all the noise. You know, you got to be able to either shut it out or use it as motivation. Um, but you, you know, you can't take it in, but you also can't take in the cheers. You know, you, you got to be able to listen and be with each other, and that's enough. You know, because they'll take the fun out of it, they'll take the sting out of things, and our guys have been able to do that. And everybody's had a tough stretch this year. I don't care who you are. Uh, hopefully we can kind of keep working through things and keep getting better and straight together some wins. Last night, one of the sounds like he was on a plane. Yeah, well, yeah, the basement of the Cole Center. Yeah, probably not the greatest audio <laughs> per per usual. They are college basketball audio sounding like you're you know ten feet uh, underwater. Uh, but one of the wilder games, Mark, you're ever, ever going to see one possession game either way for the final thirteen minutes of that game. Uh, Purdue made their foul shots late. The final two minutes of the game, they were 7 of 8 from the foul line. They got the key defensive stops, and again, 63-61. Zach Eady had 17 and 19. Fletcher Lawyer had 13. Purdue still struggled behind the arc, going 4 of 19. But they got it done. 7 and 3 away from home in the Big Ten. And as we've said, clinching that conference by multiple games is a pretty rare, rare accomplishment. Um, So a hell of a job by Matt Painter and company in winning the Big Ten. It was a wild night in the Big Ten altogether because then the Minnesota Minnesota topped Rutgers 75-74 and then I don't know if you watched any of Illinois Michigan but double wow. overtime the Illini win 91-87 that was a that was a crazy crazy game in Champaign last night. You know I I, I could go on the button rant because the Purdue game didn't start or you had to go to the FS2 to get to the Purdue game but Rutgers blew a 10 point lead in Minnesota hitting that three at the buzzer. That was a pretty cool scene for the 372 people that were in the barn last night to watch Minnesota and Rutgers. Were more people there or at the linebacker the other night for Mike <laughs> I think Mike is still hung over here on this Friday yeah, no, morning. I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't blame uh, him in the slightest. As Notre Dame boards a plane to Clemson for their regular season finale tomorrow. Um, but last night in the Alamo, it was an ugly performance by the Pacers. No Tyrese Halliburton, and it showed. They scored 99. They lose to the Spurs by 12. Frankly, I just thought they got out-athleted and out-hustled way too often last night, even in the first half when they did have a uh, two-point halftime lead. But the third quarter is where San Antonio um, asserted themselves, and they really wasn't much of a competitive fourth quarter at all for the Pacers. Here was Rick Carlisle afterwards on the issues. Yeah, I don't know the loose ball ratio off the top of my head, but I don't expect it's going to look very pretty. I mean, if we got three out of every ten, I'd be I'd be surprised. Anyway, g- give them give them a lot of credit for how they played. And again, I just you know I just thought we had some uncharacteristic things going on with a little o- over dribbling, not seeing guys at the right time, things like that, and. Uh, we're not we're not built to absorb that against any opponent. Two and twelve on the year without Tyrese Halliburton. Benedict Matherin of mystery last night and playing just fifteen minutes, despite again no Halliburton and Andrew Nemhard and Aaron Neesmith combining to go zero for twelve. Uh, George Hill did get the start without Halliburton. Didn't play a whole lot. 
Um, but Isaiah Jackson, Chris Duarte did get some early minutes. That has not been the norm, certainly for Jackson. But uh, Chris Duarte, probably one of the lone bright spots for the Pacers. Good thing for the Pacers, though, is these ne- four out of the next five games, they should be favorites in. They got the Pistons twice, the Rockets, the Bulls, and the Sixers at home. So, I mean, if you're, especially for your case with the 30 uh, win total, I yeah, think uh-huh, you're still sitting uh-huh. pretty. I know. I feel like before St. Patrick's Day, right? I just need to get two more. I thought last night would be one of them. Monday, you, you got that back to back. You play the Bulls Sunday afternoon, and then you've got Philly inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse coming up on Monday. I really hope Joel Embiid and Miles Turner play in that game. I feel like every Pacers Sixers matchup this year, we've been waiting for that, and it has not come to fruition. I'm bringing the uh, family to that game, so I hope so for my case, too, ooh. that's going on. So we'll see. That's a good one to bring the family to. Yeah, I think so. 7 o'clock on Monday, is that right? Yep. A couple other college basketball notes from yesterday. Indiana State advances in the Missouri Valley tournament. They take care of an awful Evansville team. So they've got Belmont this afternoon uh, to try and keep their season alive. That's a 4-5 matchup there. Uh, Valpo did lose last night. And tonight we've got Ball State and Toledo. That game's at uh, 6 p.m., by the way. 6 p.m. Yes. So it's a little bit earlier there from Worthen Arena. Again, we've got pairs of tickets. Maybe next break, Mark, you want to do that? Sure. We uh, sure. asked for some callers. I'm not sure how the pop quiz is going to look today, so I think maybe we just give away those three pairs of tickets to callers. I mean, hell, if you're a Ball State fan, just give Mark a call. 317-239-1070. And we've got three pair of tickets to give away for Ball State and Toledo tonight from Muncie. Again, quarterbacks, they're going to meet the media coming up here in about 20 minutes. Bryce Young, the crowd is already building for his podium session. Uh, Shane Steichen will be with us at 9.05. Ryan Grigson at 9.30. And Jake Query, uh, TBA? Yeah. Or TBD, probably. TBD, yeah. Uh, like yeah. you said, I think Bryce Young will be at the podium before Jake shows up. Uh, Jake forgot his credential. He's back at his house uh, scrounging to find that. Uh, security. Uh, boy, you talk about the security team here at uh, the Indiana Convention Center. They are not messing around here on this Friday morning. Try to vouch for Jake, and they just looked at me and said, yep, walk back. They know it's quarterback inside. day. They know they, they need to do their due diligence today. Mm-hmm. You think Jake has the look of someone that was up to some uh, nefarious maybe. activity? Well, they're like, do you look like you've stolen turf from the Astrodome before? <laughs> that is certainly He's going to be all grumpy, true. too, when he gets in. He's like, I can't. You know, he'll be all oh, grumpy. he's going to rant about it. I can just feel it. Oh, yeah, he, he, 1,000%. Jake is off to St. Pete later today IndyCar opener coming up on Sunday there the street race from St. Pete so for now it's Kevin Bowen and Mark Dykton I am live here at the convention center it is Friday at the NFL Combine you're listening to Kevin Corey right here on 93.5 107.5 the fan whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you the crowd is building here at the convention center on this Friday morning. Bryce Young going to meet the media in about 15 minutes. You know, Mark, this is kind of an annual occurrence here at the Combine. There's the one massive podium media session pretty much each year. You know, I think back to Jameis Winston. I think back to Manti Teo, uh, Kyler Murray. Remember the whole baseball debate with Kyler oh, yeah. Murray right around the Combine when he came out? And, you know, 
for Kyler Murray, I, I'm just kind of like, you're going to ask him how tall he is and how much he weighs? Like, it, you know, nothing is off the field. It was all off the field for the other guys that I mentioned there. Um, for him, it's simply just like size, and, and he has not weighed in or, you know, measured just yet, but still, uh, the crowd is packed on the curtain just to the other side of us here. Uh, we're in the same room as where the quarterbacks will meet the media, but a lot of attention on that. And, you know, we, we mentioned it earlier in the show. I mean, Chris Ballard said to us earlier in the week he is going to keep an eye on these media sessions. This is all part of the process that this week is. This week is so much more about the neck up. And I would argue, Mark, that this is what the separator will be in determining who the Colts pick. Like, athletic traits and and arm and legs and all that you could probably talk yourself into any of these guys but the separator i think in the colts eyes will be how you're wired and your love of it you as a competitor you as a processor um, all of those things and that's what i think you learn the most about this week yeah i think especially you know especially if they're you know we, we talked to uh, field the yesterday and we played that mel kuyper clip about you know Bryce Young not necessarily fitting the mold of a Chris Ballard quarterback or something like that. So maybe, you know, he sees the dynamics that he comes with and everything, but maybe, you know, how he performs on answering the questions about his height and his weight and if that's a concern and all that stuff. That could play a role in how he views him, you know, going forward as far as, you know, hey, maybe he's a little smaller, but this guy has got it. He's he's showing the it factor that we want in a quarterback, that he's a leader and all that other stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, Bryce Young is the biggest name at 8 o'clock, right? Uh, C.J. Stroud and whatnot's not till a little yeah, later. Uh-huh. Yeah, Stroud's at 820. Aiden O'Connell from a local angle is at 820 as well. I think Anthony Richardson is 840. And then Will Levis coming up in the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, for those curious why you have not heard Jake Query's voice for the last three minutes, uh, his credential was left at home on this Friday morning. Mark, do we have any update? I have not heard any update yet. I mean, I'm, assuming he, I'm assuming he's in his car and has made it back to his residence at this point, but I've not gotten an update. But I'm assuming he's made the trek from the convention center to the garage to his car and is on his way home or on his way back. I'm not sure though, but uh, maybe I'll give him a little bit of a ring we, at some we, point. We had a YouTube chat chatter mention that um, plus four hundred that Jake decided to take a nap and he's just going to call it a day. I mean, this <laughs> he's is like, you know nap, what, nap that, weather. That can of spaghettios is calling my name. I might just call it a call today. <laughs> Again, the buzz is alive and well here Friday at the Combine. Yesterday, we had the defensive linemen and linebackers workout. Today, it'll be the defensive backs. Uh, The quarterbacks will get on the field tomorrow. I think that's 1 o'clock tomorrow. I've had a few people ask about possibly attending those sessions. Jim Ursay, if you don't mind, Mark, I know you got a lot on your plate this morning. Ursay tweeted, this is probably like on Tuesday, so you got to scroll a little bit back in his timeline, uh, how you can access free tickets. So if you don't mind, Mark, retweet that from our show account um, for people out there that are looking to uh, potentially uh, take in the combine workouts. Again, coming up tomorrow afternoon, Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker not scheduled to throw. Both of those injury-related. Hooker coming back from the ACL. Bryce Young says, you know, a little bit banged up at Alabama this past year. Um, again, I think the biggest thing for Bryce Young this week was try and be the heaviest you can be, as weird as that might sound. And then at your pro day later this month, um, lose that weight, get back to kind of what you're used to playing at, and obviously put on a show for that and just kind of cement yourself as one of, if not the best quarterback 
in this draft class. Uh, but Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, all of them will throw. You know, in listening to Ballard earlier in the week, I mean, he certainly did not put much stock, if any at all, into those throwing sessions that will occur tomorrow afternoon. You know, I, as I was saying, I think it's much more about your personality and the type of leader teams feel like you can be. Um, I think back to what Shane Steichen mentioned with Justin Herbert in the draft process in 2020. Uh, back then is when uh, you had COVID happen really right after the combine or right before Herbert's pro day. So the Chargers had to do, and every NFL team had to do a lot of stuff via Zoom uh, with Herbert. And they gave him some tasks about some you know, film study and, and just kind of some information they wanted him to brush up on and study up on. And Herbert came back, you know, a few days later and was able to, you know, master all of that. And that's what really sold the Chargers on Herbert, you know, being capable of you know, handling everything that comes with being an NFL quarterback. So I think that is what so much of this week is about, is just the, the neck up, completing that profile. And for me, um, I think in the Colts' eyes, that is the biggest separator of how they view these quarterbacks you might want to get your bets in if you're having uh if you have the jake query over because it sounds like he's on in route back to the convention center so he might hit the stage before bryce young does so get your bets in before because it could be close between jake so query he's and going bryce to be young. after bryce young no he's not he says he's on his it's way now so he, he, he might be bryce to the podium so right. we'll see Nine minutes until Bryce Young is at the podium. Typically, these are very prompt media sessions, uh, unless you have a Jalen Carter situation. So, um, again, all eyes will be on Bryce Young here coming up in a few minutes. Greg Rakestraw is going to join us in about 10. Uh, It is boys' sectional semifinal and final uh, weekend here in the state of Indiana. A lot of rain in central Indiana, southern Indiana. Sounds like potentially some snow in the forecast up north. but that'll be the busy part of this weekend here as we close out college basketball regular season. And conference tournaments are underway for some of the mid-major schools and obviously for the major programs. That'll be next week. Uh, for those curious about the Big Ten tournament, we still have a whole lot to sift through on that. Purdue is obviously the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament, which will begin next week in Chicago. Uh, but if you look at where Indiana could fall with last night's results, they could still factor into a double bye um, with a win on Sunday. Uh, I kind of look at that two ways, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm – being a little bit too like far-fetched with this thought but part of me thinks playing that first day or first night of the Big Ten tournament so it would be like a 5-12 matchup or a Mm 5-13 that wouldn't be the end of the world because I think the Xavier Johnson reintegration is just going to be such an important part of whether that's Sunday with Michigan in the season finale or into the Big Ten tournament and if you get a bonus game against an inferior team I think if you're using Xavier Johnson off the bench and you're playing on whatever 16-18 minutes in a game against a non-NCAA tournament type of team I think that could benefit Indiana because yes seeding matters and all of those things but at the same time for me, I cannot see Indiana getting on a serious type of run without Xavier Johnson giving them quality minutes here coming up in March. So you're saying more more important to just kind of get Xavier Johnson right and ready more than wins in the Big Ten tournament. I, I, 
I mean, I, I know it sounds crazy when you say it like that. I, I just think, well, first off, I would like to think that you could still take care of business against right. the 12 or 13 seed. And like I was saying earlier, Mark, Iowa played on, on that night last year, and they won the Big Ten tournament. So, you know, it's not like it can't be done. I, I look at it and think to myself, with all the importance in maximizing this season, Trace Jackson Davis's final one, and all likelihood probably the only one for Jalen Hood-Jafino in Bloomington, it should be all about how can you make a run come NCAA tournament time. And for me, that is Xavier Johnson giving you something. And if you can, you know, again, expose him and, and, and get him on the floor for a decent stretch here against a team that you should be able to handle coming up in that opening night of the Big Ten tournament, I don't think that would be the end of the world. Again, having said that, Indiana still is in a position to get a double bye. I mean, they are, as long as they win on Sunday, uh, enough chaos happened last night in the Big Ten to where uh, some of the weekend results in all likelihood, will put Indiana into that double bye. So that will obviously be a big part of this weekend as we close out the Big Ten schedule. Purdue will take on Illinois at Mackey. That will be, I think it's a 12.30 tip, if I'm not mistaken, on Sunday. And then Indiana has Illinois at 4.30. I do think it will be a pretty cool scene down there in Bloomington for Trace Jackson Davis's senior day. Oh, that sure. will certainly be um, a huge, huge uh, storyline to watch coming I, up. I think what you're saying, like Sunday. about Xavier Johnson, yeah, to get to get a player at 100% at this point in the season, that's pretty rare for a lot of college teams heading into March Madness. So if you can get a, a, a player like the caliber of Xavier Johnson, healthy and right, heading into the the uh, March Madness, I think, I mean, that's that's a big bonus for the Hoosiers as they have big aspirations. And I think one more thing to add on that, Mark, if you look at Xavier Johnson's career, and obviously he began at Pittsburgh and played at Pittsburgh for several seasons before transferring to Indiana, he has played in 129 career games, and he has started 126 of them. So this is a guy that's not used to really coming off the bench. That has not been the norm for him in his college career. So when you look at it like that, and I don't think I think he started every game he's played in at Indiana, that is another reason why I think if you are able to get that extra game, it would be a benefit to Xavier Johnson. All right, Jake Query en route back to the Combine credential, I assume in hand. I don't know if he has birth certificate wouldn't, and Social Security as well. Wouldn't it be hilarious if he went home, grabbed it, and then realized he grabbed the IndyCar credential instead? <laughs> What excuse do you think he's going to have for it? So oh, he's going to have some. I, he already, first off, he's going to rip the security, you know, team. It's like, just prop, the combine. The I don't too. know why they made a big deal about it, but yeah, he he, he was already ranting and stuff when <laughs> when I called. Oh, him. Yeah. Uh-huh. One, 1, uh huh. He will certainly have an excuse and a rant for us. Greg Rakeshaw going to join us in a few again. Shane Steichen at nine oh five. Ryan Grigson. At 9.30. I think I'm going to slide over, Mark, and try to catch the beginning of this Bryce Young press conference, maybe get a shot of the Alabama quarterback. Go right ahead. We the future of the Colts. We already gave away a pair of uh, Ball State tickets, so if, uh, we got two more to give away. Okay. 317-239-1070. We can do that in the break if you want. So Yeah, let's do that. Ball State Toledo. You said that's a 6 o'clock tip tonight from Six o'clock Arena? 6 o'clock tip, pair of tickets, uh, and you get a Jiffy Lube oil change as well for it. So Look 317-239-1070. Two pairs of tickets. So call Hang on the line. I'll give him away. Greg Rakeshaw joins us next here. Kevin Aquari live at the Combine. <laughs> well, Kevin, you look. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Refreshed. 
Alright, he's back, folks. I thought he might have been in the state pen. Okay. Uh, Jake, I think what I'm going to do is this, alright? Okay. I think you're going to tell tell the story, right? Okay. I think I might slide over and listen to Bryce Young for, 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 uh, for a couple yeah, minutes. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. How does he look? Um, Short? Here's the first picture I got. Is he on risers? I was gonna say he didn't need a, he didn't need like a one of those like he's not very big platforms to stand up on. So CJ Stroud and Peter King chatting. I just tweeted out a picture of a Bryce Young uh, chatting. I forget who that ESPN personality is um, chatting right now. But yeah, the crowd starting to build as the quarterbacks are chatting. Some might argue who's the bigger person to just walk into the convention center. Was it Bryce Young or was it Jake Query? Yeah, well, clearly it was Bryce Young because Jake couldn't get by security. Well, apparently Bryce couldn't either. Because let me tell you what happened. I'll be back, uh, folks. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is 1,000% my fault, and I will own it. I absolutely erred, and we are fortunate to be able to have access to a lot of places, and I understand that, and I appreciate that. Today, later, I think most people know this is the opening weekend of IndyCar, and I am leaving from here to go to the airport. So as a result of that, I set out last night my IndyCar credential, which is very similar in everything else to my combine credential. So I got up, as I have done each day, left the house at 20 after 6, and drove down here. And I walked into the convention center. It was about 6.45, 6.40. And our table, I'm looking right now at the entrance, the security entrance. It's 100 yards away. Not even that, 20 yards away. So as I was walking in, they said, can we see your credential? And I unzipped my coat. Here you go. And I said, oh, my gosh. That's my IndyCar credential. I'm... I, Listen, I'm so sorry. Let me go up to the NFL credential desk and just get like a, a day pass or a reprint, which that's, I mean, I've done this for 25 years. It's, I'm not saying it's habitual, but it's pretty, I, I, not common, but it's not, you know, whatever. They, they have your, they printed your credential, so they have you in the system and everything else. So I go up to the table and the girl says, uh, yeah, you, we can't issue you a reprint without a police report of a stolen credential. And I said, well, I, I don't know that it was stolen, but uh, okay, let me see if I can just get somebody to let me in. I, I thought surely somebody would say, we understand you're, you're only going to be here till 10. Let's walk you across. And they're doing their job. I get it. So they said, well, the NFL credential, the, the official credential gal shows up. When she gets here, she can issue you a reprint. They just did it yesterday for somebody else. And I said, wonderful. So I don't need to No, Just stay here. And when they get here, well, what time do they arrive? Well, it might be 8.30, but it should be usually at 7. So it's 6.45, 6.50 at this point. So at 7 o'clock, I walk over, and the woman says, what can I do for you? And I explain exactly what I just said. And she says, well, I don't know what to tell you. You're not getting in without it. And I said, again, I understand that, um, it, it, but, uh, you know, is there any way you can just look me up and verify that? I mean, I'm only going to be here for a couple of hours. You cannot get a reissue without a police report being filed for a stolen credential. And I said, okay, then let me go ahead and file one of those out so we can get that process going here. And I can get in there. Uh, no, I'm sorry. You've already admitted that it's probably not stolen and you simply left it. So, therefore, I'm not going to allow you to file a police report as a stolen credential. You need to go home and get it. <laughs> Okay, and at this point, some uh, a very nice guy walked up with a big coffee and was like, Jake Query, I'm getting ready to listen to you on the radio. And I said, well, actually, you're not. You're going to listen to Kevin. So 100% my fault. I apologize, Kevin, for leaving you no, hanging out there. Man, I, I think sometimes we live in a world where a little bit of common sense can turn a one-hour dilemma into a three-and-a-half-minute dilemma, but the one-hour dilemma is on me. So there you go. 
I was stunned. I got nervous. You know, I said to this to lead off the show. Anytime one of us calls each other before seven a.m., it's not good news. Correct. And I and usually it's only it's only happened twice. It was me both times. But did, won't you agree? I'm not. I'm not asking to to throw you under the bus here to have my back. What were the Cliff Notes version? But when I texted you and said, "Hey, can you step out and just verify?" Weren't you kind of expecting that they'd say like, "Oh, we get," especially once I showed them video of me doing a video, which by the way is going to be on the website. Uh, I did a video tour yesterday of me wearing my badge, walking around all of the restricted areas of the combine to verify. And keep in mind, they printed the com. I mean, they have it right in front. They're looking on the computer screen of my original credential with my photo. But anyway, I, I get it. I mean, the rules are in place for a reason. Uh, we, it's very restrictive. By the way, you can still get your tickets uh, free for the combine if you'd like. I believe the website might. Still yeah, have you can this. watch the quarterbacks tomorrow throw. Um, we got Rake on the line. You said, Mark? yep. He got to listen to that whole story, so I'm sure he's all up to date now. Greg, I want you to grade me. Greg Rakestraw <laughs> has walked through oh, man. A, a, a billion places where he needs a credential. Thousand credentials in it, his life. A to F. How 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 like egregious is my act? A to F on that. Um, I mean, it'd be somewhere in the middle. Would you like me to tell you my story, how I talked my way into a Final Four without a credential? Exactly. That's exactly my point, though, Greg, right? Like, I'll put it so you have... National Football League, right? This is the Shield. I want to ask real quick, Greg Raystraw, you have or have not accidentally before shown up at an event and realized that you either grabbed the wrong credential or left it at home? Yes, that has happened to me before. Um, And when that happened, typically a combination of a computer and common sense kind of helped out in the situation, correct? And also knowing the head of security doesn't hurt in that situation either. So I'm not sure if, if I had my credential. This was for the Final Four in 2006. You know, the great story of George Mason making the Final Four in Indianapolis. The three games were terrible. It was a miserable Final Four, um, but I was pickpocketed on my way to the RCA Dome. Like, oh. looking back, I rem- I know exactly when it happened, and, like, somebody slow-walked in front of me, and then somebody behind me lifted my wallet, and from, like, that point forward for the last 17 years, I have n- I've never had a wallet in my back pocket. It's always been on my hip pocket or my front pockets for, for that exact reason. So I walked in and said, listen, here's what just happened to me. I'm sure I had to show some form of ID because at that point in time, the credentials weren't picture credentials. I said, here's what happened. So the boss basically went, or the person that was letting people through the convention center at the time, went and got their boss. Turns out I went to college with the boss. He recognized me. I walked in. Two people that night got into the RCA Dome without, from a media standpoint without photo ID. I was one. Billy Packer was the other. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and Greg. Let's Jake, be, Jake dropped the do you know me. And I, I would never do that. I would never, ever, ever <laughs> do that. Jake does that on days and ends and why. So that, that's yeah, I would, I would never, ever, as I've always said, if you have to tell them who you are, you are not. I would never exactly. do that. But, but again, I... The thing that's frustrating is, and we'll move on, but, you know, they issue the credential. So that she's looking right at the photo credential on her laptop of me. Thus, she knows that I am credentialed. But right. without the police report, I mean, come on, a police report. Anyway, uh, congratulations, though, to your high school, Greg. Thank you. Appreciate that. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun and thankfully relatively easy on the broadcaster since Lanesville trailed for zero seconds of that game. Wow. So you knew from the get so so then the celebration was subdued, right? 
You know, it was it was funny because they basically held the ball for like the last minute fifteen, uh, and and it was it was I think the the smallest lead was eleven in the second half. So um, you know, I didn't have to like sweat this out uh, in terms of uh, watching the game unfold. Again, Greg Rakestraw's with us, ISC Sports Network. We're getting the sectional weather, Rake. Uh, it's rain here yeah, no doubt. <laughs> in central Indiana. It sounds like some snow uh, potentially up in the northern part of the state. Uh, let's say I run into somebody here at the Combine, and they're like, oh, I am just, I am so tired of going out until 2 a.m. and, you know, schmoozing and drinking and all this. I, I want to experience Indiana high school basketball. Give me the best location for two quality semifinal games tonight let's start there come on down to warren central buddy go see your alma mater play um in the sagarin ratings uh let's see here cathedral ln addicts and warren are three six eight and 26 so three top 10 teams basically four top 25 teams you've got the two teams that played in the city championship you've got the runner-up as far as the county championship is concerned, and Warren is playing their best basketball of the season, and they have won five consecutive games, and I guarantee you it is going to be packed. I was there on Tuesday. It was about three-quarters full for one game. It went to overtime, buzzer beater. It was loud. That sectional never disappoints. Come on out to the east side. If you can't make it, you can watch it on MyIndyTV and IHSAATV.org. I love that venue. That's where we had sectional senior year. Um, certainly a loaded sectional. Okay, how about on, on the flip side? Maybe not the best like pair of semifinal games on Friday night, but if somebody here at the Combine was like, I want to go get a taste of what Indiana high school basketball is all about. Maybe kind of an off-the-radar, great gym, great atmosphere location here to hit up on Friday. You know, if you want the small school experience, if yeah. you feel like making the drive to Delphi, um, Delphi's playing, Carroll is playing, Clinton Prairie is playing. They knocked off Central Catholic on Tuesday, which is a big deal. If you really feel like making the drive, go down towards the Jack Butcher Arena and Ligoti uh, because you've got Orleans, Ligoti, Bar Reeve that are all still playing. Bar Reeve is not as good as they have been, but they're always going to have a great crowd. Orleans and Ligoti will absolutely pack that place. Again, those are 1A schools that play in a gymnasium that seats 4,700 people. And I guarantee you there will be more than 4,700 people in that <laughs> building tonight down in southwest Indiana. The only problem is is that you're probably going to have to pass Noah on I-69 to get there because there's that much rain you know, scheduled for the southwest portion of the state today. Oh, they can bring in the fans to a piece, right? Well, that you, know, you bring up Noah in the water tower. Isn't Jack Butcher on the side of the water tower down there? Jack is on the side of the water tower, uh, and I'm not sure if they have altered it because he is no longer Indiana's winningest coach, but he is the only coach to have won 800 games at a single school. That doesn't fit as well on the water tower, but yes, they can use that as the North Star to help find a Jack Butcher arena. Hey, Greg, switching gears. Greg Rakestraw is our guest on the Pennsylvania Hotline. Switching gears to college basketball. I, I ask only because you've you know obviously been around <clears throat> the Horizon League Antoine Davis falls three points short yeah. of Pete Maravich's record. But even though they are sub-500, that means that Detroit Mercy is not eligible for the postseason in terms of the NIT or the NCAA, but they can pay their way into like the CBI or one of the other tournaments. Do you think they'll do that? I think they will to give him a shot to break that record. Well, he'd uh, break Detroit it, Mercy. right? I mean, he only needs three. 
Correct. Detroit Mercy is is not a school that is flush with cash. I'm not sure that that many of any of the Horizon League institutions are at this point. But yes, because he is so close, it would not surprise. And frankly, I would think to garner attention for that tournament, the organizers of the CBI would say, let's find a way to get you guys in. So I would not be surprised Detroit Mercy is is playing a postseason game a couple of weeks from now. Rick, I want to go back to high school just for a second here. Is Marcus Burton from Penn, who is currently, I think, still committed to Notre Dame, shockingly, um, is he still the favorite for Mr. Basketball as we enter the tournament? I think he has to be. You know, I mean, the highest rated recruit is, is Xavier Booker. And, you know, once you have kind of the postseason run that he and Cathedral had last year, you have the off-season of interest from a national recruiting standpoint. You know, he was the favorite going in. He's had a solid year. He's not had a spectacular year. Burton is, is leading the state in scoring. He only got over 30 points a game. Penn's one loss has been to Ben Davis back at the Hall of Fame Classic on December the 30th. I think without doubt, Marcus Burton is Indiana's Mr. Basketball. Really? I. It's interesting because I think there is so much. How much do you think... He could fill it up. I, no, I, and I'm not disputing his greatness at all. But there's how much does just preseason name recognition come into play, Greg? It, it, it comes into play a lot. Um, again, Booker's averages, and I've got them in my notes off the top of my head. He's averaging like like 15 and 10. You know, it's it's solid. If you ask who's the best NBA prospect of this group, it's him, and it's not close. But his but Xavier's numbers have not been, frankly, as good as they were at the end of last year. Uh, and so because Burton has led Penn to so many wins, because his numbers have been so big, and I do think that at minimum they'll make it to, say, like the semi-state round, and it would not surprise me if they're the northern representative in the state championship game. Um, I, th- I think if there's even a small doubt, which I don't think there is, there's a small doubt. He makes the Gambridge Fieldhouse. The award is his. Preseason rankings mean a lot. But, again, I, I think the superlative numbers he has put up, I think he's won the award. Rake, last one from me, and I'm looking forward, honestly, to talking w- w- with Jake about this. I think it is such an incredible accomplishment what Purdue just did. I mean, the fact that they go 7-3 and three away from home in the Big Ten, this is a team that lost the fifth overall pick, a first-team All-Big Ten guy in Trayvon Williams, Stefanovic and their starting point guard who you know started a ton of games. They are going to win the Big Ten potentially by three games. Teams do not win the Big Ten by three games. I get that what happens in mid-March and beyond is going to be how the season will largely be remembered. But, I mean, shouldn't Purdue fans soak up what their team just did in this 20-game Big Ten regular season? Yes, they should. But I also understand the phrase of recency bias. And you've not been playing well down the stretch. And your chief rival just beat you twice. So, so, so I get it. And let's face it, okay, the MO for Purdue fans is when's the next bad thing going to happen? And to some degree, they're kind of watching it unfold now. Um, and even last night, because it's not the vintage Wisconsin team, it's like, oh, hey, it's great that we won, but still wasn't exactly Purdue's best performance in terms of winning that game. So you are right. Purdue fans should be celebrating the fact they have won the Big Ten outright. Purdue has still had a season that has been better than probably anybody thought it was going to be going in. 
when you've been so good in November, December, January, and February was kind of blah for you, it, it's hard to get what's been happening the last two or three weeks immediately out of your mind. And, you know, I also felt like, Greg, last night in particular, I, I think there is a growing sentiment, and you tell me if you agree or disagree with it, that as we move further into March and Purdue anticipates going deeper, that that's going to call on more critical late minutes for Brandon Newman and to kind of get him sure. more involved than perhaps he was in the first half of the year. You agree with that? I, I believe he is their second best X factor. And let me explain. Zach Eady is such, and I, I, I hate this phrase, but it's applicable here. He's such a unicorn. Okay, he, he, he is one of one in college basketball in terms of being able to get you a bucket. You still have to have a guy that can create and get a shot for himself in a late shot clock scenario. That is why the thought was with Jaden Ivey, you've got that guy on your roster last year, you can make a deep run, didn't work out past the Sweet 16. Is Brandon Newman Jaden Ivey? No. Is he the closest that Purdue has to Jaden Ivey on their roster? Yes. He's got to be getting minutes and have a chance to have the ball in his hands and create something when necessary for this team to meet. He's got to make a couple of big plays in the month of March if this team does something better than they have been, which has reached the Sweet 16 round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Rick, you said Warren Central tonight. Is that right? Warren Central tonight and tomorrow night, and then uh, Southport for me next Saturday. But uh, to me, the Friday night of the sectional is the best night of high school basketball in the state of Indiana. I think I'm going to have two great games tonight, and I cannot wait. And bring I your credential. <laughs> Thankfully, they actually recognize me at on Tuesday. So. <laughs> well, it doesn't do you any good down here, I can tell you that much. Rake, I know it's one of your NL. I know it's a lot of people's favorite night of the year around the state, so enjoy that scene at Warren Central and uh, appreciate the time, Rake. By the way, Jake, uh, because you know we'll have a production meeting here on the air, uh, travel plans for you Sunday, all good for your normal record time at, at the ISC Sports Network on Monday morning? We will be running A-OK. -okay. I am back by 8 o'clock on Sunday night, Greg. Oh, that's easy. Okay, just don't forget your credential. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> it's right here. That's what That's what I, I tried to use my IndyCar credential to get into the combine today. It didn't work. What a don't shocker. Take it off in the rest Appreciate of the it, Greg. Just we'll see you on Monday. on your person. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. That's right. Thanks, Greg. That's Greg Gregstraw. Right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Again, Warren Central tonight for a rake. Sectional semifinals and finals. Safe travels, everybody out there um, yeah, around the state. Out. I mean, pouring down rain here in central Indiana. And up north, some snow in the forecast. Or, hell, it's probably already started to snow. Uh, Bryce Young just got asked a lot of questions about his size. It, that's got to be, like, so – he handles it beautifully. I mean, I guess he's about to make millions. I mean, what's he what's – he, supposed to say i mean like look i'm 510 what do you want me to do about it you know i know what I mean? but i mean he's like kind of laughing it off and, and just joking about it seems like a pretty good good kid so bryce young just met the media it'll be cj stroud coming up here in a few minutes again quarterbacks will throw tomorrow here at the combine Kevin, Shane Steichen at 905 ryan grigson at 9 30 I, I am telling you right now i am cj stroud is my benedict matherin I, and I'm not an Ohio State fan. I, I, I think that's well documented that I do not like Ohio State. 
But I think he is a tremendous talent. I just do. I yeah, think he's- I um, it's going to sound negative when I use this word about Stroud, but Jake, I think he's the safest of the four. I think that's fair. Yeah. And I know that comes with a negative no, I connotation, I which I, I, I don't mean it like that. But I think you have the least amount of uncertainty. What I just worry about with Stroud, and again, the semifinal was really was wildly impressive. I thought he also had it the easiest of all the quarterbacks. I thought his talent around him was the easiest. I think the level of competition from Ohio State to everybody else in the Big Ten That's fair. is the biggest gap. That's a legitimate Concern for sure. Well, concern is probably the wrong word, but point, right? Yeah, question. D- d- yeah. Question is probably where I would go should, with that. Should we get that gal? Should I get her over here as a guest on the program? I, I think it'd be best if we try to make it to ten o'clock, and you know, just try to get out here. I can't produce and host the show by myself. I think it'd be fun. No, I think it'd be fun. I think give her a chance to. Sh- to I, I thought you handled it well when I was out there. Did you? Did you? Would your voice no, rise a little bit at all? Th- I, it, it, honestly, I mean, kidding aside. It is 100% on me, and, and then we'll drop it. J&B called me on my way home, and he's like, dude, I just want to make sure you keep your head. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, it's 100% on me. There's no doubt. At the same time, I, I do think that it's somewhat of an understandable error that is f- a fairly easy fix. I, it, you know, I, I just I, – there's, there's – every person around me is vouching for me. Like, yeah, he's going right to that table right there. Like, literally – and then he's going to sit there – and I get it. You got to protect. I mean, you know, they don't know. I, I get that. I mean, Bryce Young's hundred feet away. But the, but the who fact knows that what they you can, can do. It's kind of like when you go to the. Have you ever gone to get another driver's license? No. It's and awful. they're like, well, you need nine points of identification, and I'm like, I understand that, except for that your system is my identification. Like my, my, you know what I mean? Like, I lost my, you know, whatever. Like, or I've got to renew my driver's license, or I lost my wallet. And I need a new license, and I'm like, you, you're looking right at my driver's license. It's in your. You're the one that gave it to me. Now you know why this occurred. This is karma for your NFL draft attendance rant from Nashville. That's it. They said to me, they're like, there are 800,000 people that are trying to get a credential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Roger That's Goodell it. said him. Out. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> when Peter King relayed that to Roger I'm Goodell the, from the, the interview Dave earlier Portnoy in the week. of the NFL Combine. And that is exactly what happened. Jake Quarry is here, alive and well, all good. Off to St. Pete a little bit later this afternoon for the first IndyCar race of the year. Again, Shane Steichen, 9.05. Ryan Grixon at 9.30. For now, morning checkdown. <laughs> The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The outright Big Ten champs reside in West Lafayette, and it will be a multiple-game Big Ten championship lead for Purdue when it's all said and done. Last night, they beat Wisconsin 63-61. Jake, that was one of the wilder games I've seen. I've mentioned this a couple times this morning. From the 13-minute mark on, the game was one possession throughout. Yeah, and, you know, in the end, and, and, you know, that's been a place that we talked about, Kevin, and the fact that Wisconsin has not necessarily been the house of horrors for Purdue that it has been, say, for Indiana in that regard. But but I thought that they were balanced. And, again, I think Brandon Newman getting good minutes late I like starting was Newman. key for them. I, I agree with that. I, and that – 
that I think it, it felt like that was kind of the slow introduction towards him becoming a more steady and reliable backcourt player for them headed down the home stretch. Yeah, but, I know he didn't shoot it great last night, but I think he gives you a little bit more offensive punch. Morton actually hit a couple big shots off the bench for Purdue. Zach Eady at 17 and 19, Fletcher Lawyer with 13, and Purdue hits their free throws for the most part late. Seven of eight from the foul line in the final two minutes of that one. Got the key defensive stops and seven and three away from home in the Big Ten. Here was Matt Painter, 10 feet underwater last night, talking about the Big Ten title. It's the journey. It's the things that you go through and some of the tough things. You can't be laughing after forgetting your credential. Come on. Shut it out or use it as motivation. You can't take it in, but you also can't take in the cheers. You know, you, you got to be able to listen and be with each other. And that's enough. Did Jimmer say shoot this? Things. And our guys have been able to do that. And everybody's had a tough stretch this year. I don't care who you are. And uh, hopefully we can kind of keep working through things and keep getting better and straight together some wins. It sounds like he has one of those like white noise machines going do you know, in the background. Do you know how many people... Uh, 92% of people in Indianapolis that were listening to that right there are look are checking their tire pressure right now in their car. Well, that or to Mark's point, yeah, I just looked at the sound machine, Mark, to make sure Rosie was still sleeping. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. Uh, elsewhere in college basketball, by the way, uh, big offensive game for Indiana State, 97-58 over Evansville. The trees now 21-11. and That, of course, in the MoVal tournament, Evansville at 5-27. and so season would be over, one would assume, for the Purple Aces. Uh, Murray State 78-50 over Valpo, and as we'd mentioned, Purdue 63-61 last night over Wisconsin. Uh, last night in the Alamo, the Pacers got out-hustled and out-athleted. They lose to the Spurs. I think it was like 110-99, something along those lines for the Pacers. Uh, no Tyrese Halliburton. Jake, I was saying this earlier in the show. If you're Tyrese Halliburton's agent, you simply just show the Pacers a list of the games that your client did not play in and the result of those games, and you say, can we please have a blank check? Uh, hard to argue that, yeah. And, you know, Buddy Heald was good, 27, maybe – he Having was. that shoot around left in his home in his home down there helped out. Chris Duarte with 18, but there's no doubt that Halliburton. Uh, I saw last night. I don't know who it was that, that sent it out. Might have been Matt Glenesque. Just said Tyrese Halliburton clearly the, the NBA MVP. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Hard to argue that. San Antonio's not very good, Kevin. No, no. Uh, Blake Wesley, South Bend native, did get some quality minutes. Can Romeo Langford still out? But, yeah, San Antonio, Victor Webb, and Yama. That is where they are hoping uh, they'll go. Actually, oh. they did sweep the Pacers. I did though, the tankathon yesterday later. And oh, you did that without me? Pacers landed Victor Webb and Yama. Wow. Number one. How many times did you have to do it? The, it was the next time after. It was yesterday during the show, actually. You got up to take a break or something, and I hit refresh on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> With the first pick in the 2023 NBA mock draft, the Indiana Pacers select Victor Wemmyama from a club I can't pronounce in France. Let's go! <laughs> That's how it would sound. Uh, That's pretty much how it would sound. In about an hour, Ryan Grigson going to join us. Shane Steichen at 9.05. It's Kevin Bowen with the convict Jake Query here right. on this Friday morning live at the convention center. Quarterback day here at the NFL Combine. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Live here to round out the week at the NFL Combine. It is Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton back in studio. Shout out to Cam, our on-site engineer, Nick getting us up on YouTube and also running the 107.5, the fans' social channels, a whole lot on there. From the quarterbacks, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud have both met the media here on this Friday morning. Bryce Young, Jake, said he will weigh in the 200-pound range. And what, see, here's the thing. Uh, to me, the weight is far less, I would think, going to be far less scrutinized than Ooh, the height, really? right? I, I think a lot of people think the reverse of that. You think so? They think durability, the bigger well, issue. Well, that, that's fair. Than that's fair. His ability to kind of I, I maneuver that, his way through the pocket. I think Zach Kiefer made an interesting point yesterday, Kevin, and that is that perhaps these teams pay closer attention than we would think to the actual answers that quarter that, that you know a guy like like you said he was pretty impressive in the way he handled the the peppering of questions and the constant you know he never lost his cool you know that I, I do think that teams might look at that of how does a guy handle himself how does he conduct himself you know Ryan Leaf is one that I always go back to that Ryan Leaf did not handle himself very well through this particular process and that in fact was a precursor to showing how he handled the pressures and the fame that comes with being an NFL quarterback. Do you remember Kyler Murray's appearance on Dan Patrick back during the Super Bowl a few years ago? I do. And I remember at that point. And and you know what? I Kevin, and for those that aren't familiar, Kyler Murray showed up. It was during the Super Bowl, was it not? Yeah, Super Bowl week, uh-huh. And and this is all during the baseball drama. Remember about him potentially playing baseball correct. or the NFL. And he he was really rude to Dan Patrick. He, like he he just kept saying like I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to answer that. And he was dressed kind of I, I can't blame him for that. I mean, but he was you know, he was he, he was dressed like he just woke up. Um no, it's kind of like us. And, that's right. And I think that also uh, if there's one thing you could say about Kyler Murray who is a, a, a very talented guy and a really a, a fun player to watch. However, um, the one thing that you could say about him is that I think maturity has been like an issue, right? Or just like kind of the center uh, uh, has to be the center of everything. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, it's not the end all be all, but I do think in a very stressful week, uh, this is a really just important part to maintain your composure, things like that. Um, I think there are some questions certainly about Jalen Carter off the field with some of those things. You know, C.J. Stroud dropped the phrase that I'm a ball placement specialist. You know full well that he had to be his agents like that is going to be a phrase that you know NFL scouts are just going to salivate over. That is certainly kind of Stroud's biggest strength. He is going to throw tomorrow. Him and Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, those three will throw. Um, to quarter uh, to wideouts and tight ends at the combine tomorrow inside of Lucas Solo Stadium coming up at one o'clock again. Shane Steichen at nine o five. Ryan Grigson at nine thirty. That's a nice little nine o'clock hour we got coming up here. We do. Uh, it's going to be better than our seven o'clock hour. Although you were flawless <laughs> for what it's worth, right? <laughs> I can't. Just walking out there and seeing your face, I was in shock. I was shocking all to steal a Jim Mercy phrase. From I mean, and here's the thing: it's, that was by then it was what probably five tail, ten tail, something like that. Uh huh. Yeah, I'd, I'd already gone to like when you two different me. tables at that point, and been. I mean, anyway, we don't need to rehash that all. I guess right. Um, it is what it is. You excited we'll for St. Pete? I am. You know, it's this time of year, Kevin, admittedly, it, it always, it kind of creeps up on you. Um, I do love the racing season. I love the the going down. You know, it's hard. I, I will admit to this right away. Every year, 
when we call the St. Pete race, about halfway through, I think to myself, it's finally caught up to me, and I can't. I'm, I, I have lost my fastball, and I can't do this anymore. And because it takes a while to get into rhythm, that first race is really hard because the cars look different, the, the, there's different combinations. You're not in rhythm. And I always feel like I, I leave and I think to myself, I, I just I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think I'm, I have the skill for it anymore. And then you, you kind of get into a rhythm and... So I'm anxious to get through that rhythm, if you will. It's like that first week of school when you were a kid. But it, it is fun. I, I love being around the guys that, and I know that's a cliche, but the guys and gals that, that we work with, the, the team itself, um, it's a lot of fun. And the race, you know, the race is fun. St. Pete is a great event because, obviously, it has been so long down there that in St. Pete, there are a couple of places that we go. Birmingham would be this way as well, where when you go down there, people say like, oh, it's race weekend. You know, they know what it is. It's it's part of their schedule. It's part of their spring, whatever else. So in that regard, uh, it is a lot of fun. It is definitely fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I really did think to myself like, yeah, I won't turn the page to that until I get through, you know, this show this morning. And then I grabbed my IndyCar credential instead of my NFL one. So clearly I had it on the mind. I know. I thought for a second, boy, she's going to nap until St. Pete flight. I mean, <laughs> boy, this is perfect napping weather right. here. It is that. By the way, the, are the Titans leaving us? I know. I'm kind of thinking, boy, they uh, wouldn't they break all that down yesterday? I guess, did they have to be here for something? The Tennessee are, are, Titans backdrop is going away as we speak. That gives us a clear shot of the Lions, but they have removed their two helmets. Well, they can't have non-credentialed people trying to steal them. <laughs> That's a great point, Mark. Great point. The security actually is just five feet away from us I right really, now. I really would like Jake. to get that gal from the NFL to get her on and have her. Mark have and I talked about. I can make an on-air apology to her. Mark and I, the two that showed up on time this morning with our respective uh, Well, Mark didn't need a credential. Oh, he needed a badge to get in the building. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier, Jake, about teams trading up. What about Tennessee at 11? That's a good one. I, you know, New GM. So much with Tennessee. Tennessee is is in an interesting position, Kevin, because kind of quietly, Tennessee reminds me of Baltimore in the fact that every year you think that that's the year they're going to take a step back, and they don't. But they did last year, right? And not having a you know, not having AJ Brown was a big part of that, probably. But injuries I still, hurt them, and they just hit a wall. Yeah, and I've always said when you have Derrick Henry, you're, you you've got a shot, right? Um, because he is that dynamic. But they really have a question mark at the quarterback position. And I know they drafted Malik Willis last year in the third round, so maybe that would be a little bit early to kind of bail on him. Uh, Mike Chappell flashing his credential to Jake Query, just a reminder there of what you need to get into the building. <laughs> Thank you, Chap, for that. Come yeah, on, man. Maybe next year you can call him and make sure, you know. Chap uh, echoing that he does not babysit. Do you not babysit 50-year-olds? <laughs> Come on. Um, <laughs> killing me. Killing me. Um, I, Malik Willis, I, you know, during the preseason, there were times where I, I thought he showed flashes where you're like, yeah, they. I mean, here they are. Like, this guy can play. Then there were other times, Kevin, where he looked completely lost. Well, and you but drafted that's, that's him, how it works, I mean, right? You drafted I mean, him knowing you're going to be uber patient. Correct. That's correct. Him. Something that I was bringing up to Mark a little bit earlier, and Jake, I know we went through, again, the five teams right after the Colts in this draft order. You've got two of those teams, the first two teams right after the Colts. So... You've got the Colts at four, Seattle at five, Detroit at six. Seattle has the fifth pick, and then they also have, is it number 20, Mark? Does that sound right? I think Seattle is five and 20, and then Detroit has... Yeah, five and 20. Okay. And then Detroit has six and 18. 
14. So when you talk about what teams can potentially offer Arizona at number three or even Chicago at one, the fact that you've got two teams sitting there at five and six that have an additional first rounder, not only this year, but in the top 20 this year, I don't think we've given the proper attention to that. Because again, when we talk about the Colts trading up, we say something to the effect of, oh, they'll give them their first rounder next year, or they'll give them their second rounder this year. Well, in Detroit's case and Seattle's case, they can give them two first rounders this year, both in the top 20. I think that is something to continue to monitor. You know, Kevin, one of the things that is really fascinating about this draft, and maybe it's because it's been a while since, from an Indianapolis standpoint, that the Colts have been involved towards the front in need of the position that most people need, right? I mean, for years, the Colts have not been looking for a quarterback, obviously. So it's been a long time since we, as media covering the Colts or fans of the Colts, have scrutinized or analyzed what happens up front because of that. But it does feel like, and I'll give it a bad IndyCar analogy perhaps, but if you look at like from an IndyCar standpoint, I remember when you know Emerson Fittipaldi and Rick Mears and Alancer Jr. and Bobby Rahal and you know all of those and Danny Sullivan, all those guys retired within like three years of each other, and people were like, "Who is this next new guard of drivers?" And in the the NFL right now, like you just we've had that change over of the quarterbacks, right? Like the old guard is all kind of retired now, and you know that you have this new young blood, and we're st- and we're familiar with who they are now. You know, I mean Mahomes and Allen, you know all the names that we've mentioned a thousand times. But there are still, because of that turnover that took place, there are still the handful of teams that have yet to resolve that situation and that position. And they're scattered. They're not all huddled huddled right there in the top five in the draft. They're kind of scattered throughout. So it really is like this juxtaposition of different cars bouncing around trying to find out who's going to move up towards the front. It's a bit unusual to have two of the first three picks have be teams that feel good about quarterback. Correct. And, and, and you have – and they. Definition of good, I guess, can kind of vary, but certainly Chicago with Justin Fields and Arizona with Kyler Murray, um, there's some level of good in, in what they feel about those guys. Um, so, again, today the quarterback's busy meeting the media. I think Aiden O'Connell just met the media as well, um, and he, I assume, will be throwing tomorrow. Will one he be, o'clock well, you think tomorrow. he's a drafted quarterback or is he an undrafted free agent no, signing? I think he's like a fifth rounder. Okay. I think, he, yeah, I think he's like a middle ish rounder. I mean, he, I would think that he would be. Where was David Blau when he came out? That's a good question. Did he go on or Nate Sudfeld? What undrafted? was Nate Sudfeld? I think Sudfeld was sixth. Yeah, so mistaken. that's that's probably a pretty good comparison, right? Somewhere in there. Sudfeld's hung around for a while here. Well, I mean, hell, so is Blau. I know. But David Blau's Blau has started six straight Thanksgiving games. Has he really? <laughs> no, I was going to say. It just actually, feels like he was. I realize you say that joking, and I'm like, wait a minute, really? Sudfeld was sixth rounder in 2016, and David Blau went undrafted. Okay, but Blau's athleticism is going to keep him around. You know, Did look at a guy like started for the Cardinals. Look at Chase there. Daniel. You know, I oh, mean, if man. you are, if He's you're living a, the life, right? If you're a good teammate, you've got a good, you know, you're a smart guy. You're good in the quarterback room. You can last for a long time, man. It's like being Courtney Lee in the NBA with a mid-range jumper. You can stick around for a long time. Great call. Um, I do want to give you the chance, Jake, because a bunch of people have asked me over the last couple of days. Whoa, you guys are having Ryan Grigson on. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of surprised by that. You ran into him last year at the combine, correct? I did. And I, I, I guess. 
feel free to share however well, much you, you want to on you know staying in touch with him or so Ryan whatever. Grigson and I um, a couple of years ago I sent a tweet about one of the Colts draft classes where they didn't where no one was left in the league and I, I had no real relationship with Ryan Grigson but he he saw it or I think actually his kids he said his kids saw it and he emailed me and which I thought was pretty cool and was like hey and he was in Seattle at the time and basically like hey you know if if you want my side of this, you know, let me know. And so I ended up calling him on the phone or he called me. I can't remember the, the either way, but in, in Grigson's cousin is married to my cousin. No, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, and we got so, family here. Right. So we kind of joked about that. Um, so disingenuous to say that I have some relationship with him, but certainly a cordial one and professional one. Um, and so occasionally we, we interact back and forth. But when we were when we knew that we were doing the show from the combine, uh, we were in you know we were all discussing, and in the brainstorm it was we should get somebody who has gone through the rigors of the combine to just explain what takes place. What do they do? You know, what are they looking for? What 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 is a day in the life of a football executive at the NFL Combine? And I don't remember which of us in the meeting said, well, what about like Ryan Grigson? And I said, I I mean I can reach out to him, and he said, yeah. And as a matter of fact, he just sent me a message literally five minutes ago, Kevin, that says... Did you forget your credential? Um, <laughs> do you have your credential? That's what it says. It says, this is the first morning this week I've not been buried in player interviews, and I'm spending it with Kevin and Query with a shrug shoulder emoji. <laughs> See you soon. That sounds like a very Ryan Grigson text so, here on this Friday So, yeah. Morning. So, you know, I think it's more about, you know, what we mention the Colts Vikings game I probably but I, I but I also am just curious you know what does from a you know and he, he actually can offer it from probably different perspectives from a scouting standpoint from a general manager standpoint just the different variations of what goes into this week 930 for him 905 for Shane Steichen so we've got a loaded nine o'clock hour to round out the week here at the combine we come back though I do want to hit on Purdue and what they accomplished last night we'll get Jake's thoughts on that Kevin Aquari right here it's quarterback day at the convention center 93.5 on a 7.5 the fan okay I'd like to update if I could Shane Steichen going to join us by the way just about 10 minutes from now Ryan Grigson at the bottom of the hour Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen Mark Dykting back in studio it's the NFL combine at the Indiana Convention Center and I went over to the uh the young woman in credentials and said hey is there any way that you can come on the radio with us real quick and tell the story of what a moron i was and she said are you serious and she got she got like actually she was like really like on the radio and i said yeah yeah can you come on and just talk about like how i'm an idiot and she said well so she turned around and her superior whoever it was said no you, you can't do that and she said, well, I will admit, if I went on there, I probably would say that I was exceptionally mean and mad at you this morning. Well, thank you. So there you go. That would have been a hell of a trio of guests in the show. <laughs> yeah, Shane Steich and Ryan Grigson and the security guard Once you want your Twitter handle, ma'am, yeah. I can put uh, you on the can show. Can we tag you? Can you retweet she us? She was super nice. She was super nice. We kind of laughed about it. She's like, you know what? My bad. Jake, like, we, okay. Mark and I let off the show with this. I think you know, living in the present sometimes uh, for any fan can be difficult. If you're a Purdue fan right now, how do you not wake up today and just think to yourself, what an unbelievable accomplishment the men's basketball team just had losing who they lost from last year. And, like, even if you lost just 
Stefanovic and Trayvon Williams. Like those no would question. be notable losses. You throw Jay Nivey, of course, on top of that. You are a Big Ten historian. Jake, teams do not win the Big Ten Conference by multiple games quite often. You're right. Who is currently with a three-game lead in the Big Ten with one game to go? Well, you look at some of the great teams in the history of the Big Ten, and they weren't Big Ten champions. The Flying Illini, they didn't win the Big Ten. The Fab Five, they didn't win the Big Ten. You know, Purdue, I, I think two things that come into play, Kevin. Number one, exceptional exceed of expectation by their freshman backcourt. Now, I think that water started to find its level a little bit, but but nonetheless, they played so well, and they got themselves in position, and of course, Zach Eady, but they, they got themselves such a cushion that then they were able to, once teams kind of figured out how to guard them, you know, they, they had built themselves in the standings such a great position and I think that they're they're starting to reset things again in terms of the way they play and their stability Matt Painter's done an absolutely like a maestro job of balancing those things out I also think and sometimes your year is evaluated assessed and or graded by not necessarily what you did but by the expectation going in and it's easy to look at Purdue and say well but they've lost you know two of their last five what but what was the expectation coming in? I mean, they were thought to be, Kevin, it was a slam dunk that Indiana was going to win the Big Ten and Purdue was going to be a team that maybe would get in the tournament and win a game, right? And and yet here they are where I it is my hope that people don't now say anything less than a Final Four is a bust because a year ago that might have been true. But the expectation should be different. Just because they exceeded their expectation in the regular season doesn't mean that they should be held to an unfair standard for the postseason. And in addition to that, I also think that it shows, while a tremendous talent, I, I think that there were times last year where Jaden Ivey actually held Purdue back. Not because of his, he's, a, he's an unbelievable talent, obviously. But I think there were times where they stood and waited for him to do something. And I also think there were times where Jaden Ivey, not maliciously per se, but when Jaden Ivey was on the field or on the court, excuse me, that Jaden Ivey was playing, playing Jaden Ivey basketball. And I think that the others kind of stood and it slowed down the, 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 the wheels from turning for them. And they have better fluidity this year, quite frankly. A win for Purdue on Sunday, and they will do something that only one other Big Ten team has done since 2009. And that is win the conference by three games. Wow. Um, only one other team, you said? Only one other team. I want to say it was Michigan State, like in 2014 or something. You know, again, teams typically don't win it by just two games. I mean, you oftentimes, Jake, get a share of the Big Ten title or just by one game. And Purdue right now, if they can take care of business at home against Illinois on Sunday, will accomplish an extremely rare feat. Last night, also important for Purdue, just another road win. Continue to kind of improve that part of the resume and try to give you some sort of cushion in maintaining that uh, pace to get a number one seed come up in the tournament. Mentioned it a little bit earlier. A lot of chaos last night in the Big Ten. Wild game. Rutgers in Minnesota. Huge comeback by Minnesota. They win on a buzzer beater. Illinois beats Michigan. You look at it right now. If Indiana beats Michigan, and that is a Michigan team that will need that win desperately for their NCAA tournament resume. If Indiana can beat Michigan on Sunday, they could still get a double bye in the Big Ten. 
Jake, it's happened once in the history of the Big Ten tournament, and I think it was the inaugural Big Ten tournament. But if you look at the Big Ten bracket right now, IU, five or four seed, Purdue is a one seed. They would each, assuming IU gets to the four line, they would each need to just win one game to face off against each other in that Big Ten semifinal Saturday afternoon in Chicago. And, you know, Rutgers was a team that, let's, let's not forget, I mean, halfway through the Big Ten season, they were right there. You know, we're talking about how Rutgers is this nice, plucky team that's that's really playing well. I mean, Kevin, they're backpedaling now to the point where you can only imagine what they must be thinking, right? Well, it's, you know, it's every, every team in the Big Ten that's, I mean, I mean, even Purdue has obviously had some issues here as of late. But, like, if you were going to take a bet right now, put Purdue to the side. Who's the Big Ten team that will play the longest in the, in the tournament? Take Purdue aside? Boy. Is it I, Indiana? I think it is. And it, it's is it's it Indiana. It, it depends on Jalen Hutchfino, man. It just does. Is it Maryland? Like, I mean, I have no idea Honestly, who Iowa, I would go with. Iowa? If Iowa shoots like they did in Bloomington? No idea. I mean, you would. I think I'd go with Indiana, but, you know, again, I just don't know who else. The Big Ten could also, throw. Kevin, be that league that we look at towards, you know, heading into the Sweet 16 round, and we go, oh, my gosh, they had eight teams in, and they've only got one left. You know what I mean? Yeah. Certainly. Uh, Purdue women with a win last night in the Big Ten tournament. Kind of a crazy finish. They had a three, I think, with like seven or eight seconds to go to win. I think IU gets their Big Ten women's tournament play underway later today. All right, Shane Steichen, he joins us next here on Kevin and Quarry live at the Combine. Final. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hour of the week, live here at the NFL Combine. A lot of quarterback action here in the past hour. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, all taking their turns at meeting the media. Will Levis coming up in the 10 o'clock Apparently, hour. Anthony Richardson is very physically imposed, not in a bad way, in a good way. Very impressive from a physical stature standpoint. And early return to use that phrase Kevin is that CJ Stroud was very impressive in his answering of questions and the media you know just peppering him from all angles and apparently he was uh, pretty good in the way he handled it I'm telling you I love CJ Stroud I think he's going to be a great player then again I either you know I thought Michael Kidd-Gilchrist was going to be the best player in his draft class in the NBA, too. So what do I know, right? Shane Steichen going to join us here in a couple of minutes. Looking forward to our first chat with the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. It's been a busy week. He's still finalizing a couple of members of his staff. You look at the staff right now, a lot of youth offensively, a lot of experience defensively in retaining Gus Bradley. Um, We'll see what happens. Special teams coordinator with Bubba Ventrone now in Cleveland, but our first time chatting with Shane Steichen here coming up in a few. I'm going to ask him nothing but questions about UNLV basketball. Is that okay? <laughs> you think he's a big running, running Rebel fan? They haven't been the running Rebels for a while is the problem, right? Is Lon Kruger still there? <laughs> you know what? I, his son is, I think, right? I think his son's the head coach. Is it? I'd like to know 
and I don't know. Like, what's it? Are they even a tournament team this year? If you had to guess right now, what's UNLV's basketball record, Kevin? Well, I guess, guess no. I mean, I feel like it's San Diego State. You know, I think's had a really bad year. Is our our pokes or your pokes? Oh I man, say. what's what's that fellow's name that does? <laughs> Radio. Mark, what's his name? Reese Monaco. Reese Monaco. Reese yeah. has not uh-huh. had a good year, man. No, no, but he's he can enjoy Trace Jackson Davis' <laughs> senior day coming up on Sunday. Uh, UNLV is uh, they're seventeen and twelve. That's not a bubble team, right? In that league, San Diego State's a lock. Who else? Didn't Colorado Nevada's State get in a, last year? Nevada's had a decent year. Alford's had a decent year, right? I feel like the Mountain West always gets a few in. They do. They have usually three or four. Yeah, three team league at least, right? Um. You know, I love I love the tournament time. I love the bubble watch. I love Selection oh, I love Sunday. March is the best, man. I mean, I love going to Connors for one beer on St. Patrick's Day and the parade. I love all of it. Love it. Friday, right? This year, St. Patrick's Day, two weeks from today? Man, that's going to be beautiful. Yeah, hopefully it's great weather. Hopefully it does not look like what today looks like. And Shane Sacking going to join us in a few. Ryan Grigson coming up at 930. Anything in particular? Shane Steichen related you know, that you're, you're looking forward to? One of the things I'm going to ask him, Kevin, what coach has most influenced him? Because I think maybe that gives, you know, he, he's... I wonder he's, if it's a guy we had on earlier in the week. Right. I mean, he's coached underneath a lot of great minds or innovators in different areas. You know, which one would he say, and I'm sure he'll say all of them, but, you know, which one really jumps out at him? I, I, you know, who was his greatest influence? I think that's... That, that can be pretty telling. Yeah, we had Norv Turner on earlier in the week. I think they are very close. Um, you know, that was his first start in the NFL. We talked about it with Norv on the defensive side of the ball there early in those years. Um, and speaking of Shane Steichen, let's head to the Payless Liquors hotline right now. The first-year head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, our first time getting a chance to chat with them. He is Shane Steichen. Coach, congrats. Welcome to Indy, and uh, appreciate the time for what is a very busy week for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having me. Let's start with like what a typical day looks like for you, Combine Week. I know you're finalizing your coaching staff. Walk us through yesterday for you here at the NFL Combine. Yeah, so yesterday we got a lot of formal interviews with you know a lot of the players that are you know at the combine, different positions. We're going through those interview processes, uh, interviewing those guys, and obviously they're quick interviews. You know, you get 20 minutes with these guys in the room, uh, and then you go for a couple hours there, and then obviously you got the workouts uh, on the field and just studying those guys, watching their body movements, seeing how they run on the field. I'm curious, Coach, when today when the players or the prospects meet with the media and, you know, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Richardson, you know, they all meet with the media. Do you guys in any way, shape, or form, does that part, does the way that they handle that situation, the questions, the throng of media, does in any way, shape, or form that get factored into the scout of a player? Yeah, I think so. I think you find out a lot about those guys. Any way you can evaluate them, obviously on the field is the biggest thing, as we know, but just how they carry themselves. I mean, especially, you know, the top quarterbacks, when you become, uh, you know, a quarterback, get drafted early in the draft, uh, you know, you're, you're, it's, a big, it's a big responsibility, you know, to lead the charge uh, in any NFL organization. Um, but, yeah, how they you know, handle themselves in front of the media, how they are outside the building, how they are inside the building with their players. Uh, and, again, you know, I said this the other day in my press conference, is just the vetting process and really getting to know these guys and what they're about and how they carry themselves on and off the field. 
One of the other things you mentioned, and again, Shane Steichen is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline in that uh, press conference, was you talked about your interview process for assistance, and you used mm-hmm. the word grueling. Uh, when I think of grueling, I think of working with my co-host Jake here yeah, thanks. Uh, for 15 hours a week. <laughs> What what like, what did you mean by that? I guess can you can you a little peek behind the curtain? Like what is a part of a grueling interview process as you build the staff? Well, I think you got to be very detailed uh, with everything you do in this profession. You know, you want to hire the right people. You obviously you want to hire really really good coaches, but you want to hire the best fit as well. You know, uh, from a personality standpoint, how are they going to fit with the staff? How are they going to handle their position? And then really the details of that position, the fundamentals, how they teach the fundamentals, how do you run a meeting, what's your preparation throughout the week, and then really dive into, you know, some things, it's different positions are different, but like the scheme part of it, how do you scheme during the week, what do you look for, what are tendencies, and then put them through that process on the whiteboard with film study, uh, all those little different things, and try to, you know, turn over every rock uh, to make sure you get that right. Coach, for you personally, you know, I've had situations, we all have, has had situations in our career where you start a new job, and the way that I always say it when people are like, are you excited for your new job? And I always say, you know, I just can't wait to get to that point where, like, I'm not sure what day of the week it is because you're just in a routine and you're, you know, for you personally, it's been, you've hit the ground running. I'm sure it's been a whirlwind. What part of this process for you has been more overwhelming than you thought? Um, honestly, I, you know, I, I've had a, a, you know, a vision of what I want to look like, obviously building it and, you know, hoping for this opportunity, uh, you know, you know, started to, you know, think about it, obviously when I, when you become a coordinator, you know, those off seasons, that summertime is really when you start to kind of put together your vision and kind of your first, you know, 30 days on the job, what's that going to look like and how you're going to go about it. And obviously first is getting the staff together, uh, and, and making sure that's right. And then once that gets done, then it's really into the players and the draft process, the free agency, all those little different things that you need to take care of. And so feel good where I'm at right now. Uh, got some good guys in the building. And then once that gets uh, solidified, then it's on to the players. You know, like, like any coach, and Shane Steichen's our guest, by the way, on the Payless Sugars Hotline, like any coach in the NFL, by the time you get to head coach, you've taken a circuitous route to get there, both as a player and a coach. When you really stop and think about it, the coach that you have either played for or coached under who has the greatest amount of influence that you find yourself going back to to assess situations is who? Is North Turner. You know, I, I got a ton of respect for North. He gave me my first opportunity in 2011. Um, and just the way he handled it as a head coach and just the staff meetings and how he ran staff meetings and what was important to him. Um, and then also just the, for his offensive philosophy and how he saw the game and went about it being around him. You know, again, I was started off on defense. And then in 2013, got to switch back on offense with, with him when, you know, he took the coordinator job at Cleveland. Uh, and then really, that's when I really worked hand-in-hand hand with him uh, in 2013 and saw how he ran it uh, offensively and the things he did to prepare uh, the players week in and week out and just ha- how to handle, you know, coaching staff and all those different things. But he did a tremendous job and got a ton of respect for him. You know, it's interesting, Coach, because when we talked to North Turner last week, he told us that, you know, he, he mentioned Darren Sproles right away. I mean, it was like the first name he mentioned that, in terms yeah. of what he was able to do with him. Naeem Hines was kind of that kind of guy for Indianapolis. I realized that was before you were here when, when Hines eventually ended up in Buffalo. But 
Could you use that kind of a player? Is that a kind of guy that you look at and you say to Chris Ballard, like, that's a wrinkle in this offense we could use? Yeah, I think with anything, anytime you got an exceptional player that does something well, uh, whether it's a receiver, tight end, or backs, I think you can always find value in those type of guys. Um, so, yeah, if, if those guys come up and we find those guys that can add value like a Sproles, uh, absolutely. Shane Steichen is with us here. Again, his first NFL combine as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Shane, when I think back to your stops in Philly and, I guess, San Diego, L.A., you guys had great skilled talent. In your history in the NFL, obviously your quarterback resume speaks for itself, but what have you learned about supporting that quarterback with elite skill? There's no question about that. I think when you can surround you know, your quarterback with elite skill talent, you can be an explosive offense. So as many pieces that you can put around that guy to make him successful, uh, it's going to make him a better player, the quarterback specifically. Uh, but then also just the team. You know, I mean, when you've got a lot of guys and you can gel that together and create you know, what the vision that you want it to look like offensively, uh, you can become an explosive offense. We had Nick Sirianni on with us earlier this week, and he obviously was very abusive in his praise for you as a play caller. Um, do you have any sort of concern about what game days are going to look like for you in calling the plays and managing everything that goes on outside of just the immense responsibilities that come with calling the plays? Yeah, I think that that, that work uh, has got to be done throughout the week, you know, just especially situations that come up in the game so everyone's on the same page. I thought we did a heck of a job in Philly, you know, having our meetings throughout the week. And then we had a big one on Friday uh, after the players were gone and just went through all those situations, you know, into half, into game, you know, third down calls, fourth down calls. Uh, we went through all those things. And so I think if you have a detailed plan going into it, uh, you're going to be prepared for those situations on Sunday. But, you, again, you got to have a detailed plan, who's speaking, who's talking in certain situations. Is part of that plan someone in the booth that's telling you about challenges and time management? Yeah, again, that's all exactly. There's there's certain guys that have that responsibility, and we're going to work through all those things this off season and get it figured out exactly how we want to do it. What's the one thing that you look at, Coach? Because I'm assuming that, that you've had to do some run of the laundry list on the Colts organization or the roster. What's the one thing that you feel most needs a jolt from you? Um, you know, again, I, I'm not going to get into really specifics. I just think, you know, the vision that I have for this organization, take it day by day and, and grind it out. And I think, again, we got to be the biggest thing for me is the consistency part of it. You know, here's what I believe in. Here's what we got to get done day in and day out. And I think if you have the vision of what you want it to look like, and you do it the right way, I think you have a chance to be successful. That, that was a pretty good try for me, though, wasn't it? I mean, that was That's that was decent, wasn't it? That was a solid try. He kind of Dikembe Mutombo'd you, I think. That's, that's with, all with, we can do, that. right? <laughs> we got to, you know, that's all we can do. Hey, um, I'm curious, Coach, Shane Steichen is our guest. You know, throughout this process, there was, you know, the, the, the interviewing. I mean, we know how long you were here. You were, you were in the building. I mean, you know, you, there were a lot of great candidates. What did you learn about either Jim Irsay or Chris Ballard or the Colts that, that was most of intrigue to you? Um, I just think they're very passionate about the game and, and what they want to get done here. And that was very intriguing to me, just, you know, their passion for the game and, and what they want to get done. And it kind of aligned with a lot of the things that I had a vision for this place. And when you've got guys that are passionate about what they do, uh, I think you've got a chance to be successful. 
Just a couple more from us. Appreciate your time on this Friday morning, Shane. Again, Shane Steichen is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You mentioned finalizing your coaching staff. Um, was Bubba Ventrone a guy that you wanted to bring back? Yeah, Bubba had Bubba's a good coach. Um, you know, he had some opportunities out there, uh, and he had a great opportunity with Cleveland. Um, you know, he got the assistant head coach job in special teams, and, you know, I think he's going to do a hell of a job there. Were there any stipulations in terms of staff for you to take the job when you were in the discussions with them? Uh, from them? Yeah. No, they, you know, obviously I got, you know, as the head coach, I got to pick the staff and, you know, I had a ton of respect for a lot of guys that were in this building. When the quarterbacks, again, Shane Seconds with us, when the quarterbacks get on the field tomorrow, is there a specific, like, will you want to be on the field watching them? Do you care that much about throwing in shorts and a T-shirt? What, I guess, are you looking for tomorrow afternoon when the quarterbacks throw? Really just their functional movements, you know, their footwork, their fundamentals is a big thing. And, you know, as many many times as you can get eyes on these guys, you know, not just quarterbacks but all positions, just to see their functional movements and skills, it, it definitely helps the process. Because obviously when you go through this thing, you want to you do as much as you can to see these guys in person, see the different movements, the different skills they have. But again, I said this the other day, it's, you know, the quarterbacks sometimes, you know, they're throwing to these guys that they've never thrown to. So, like, when they miss a throw here and there, like, that's not going to be a determining factor, you know, routes on air. You know, guys are going to miss throws. But really just to see, you know, the arm strength, the accuracy, the footwork, uh, and just see, you know, just see their, just see their body movements. Coach, I think what, what we have talked about on this show, certainly I have, that impresses me about your resume is that you have worked with and, and really helped flourish quarterbacks of different styles. Do you, from a coaching standpoint, say to yourself, I want a quarterback, which is the bigger priority to you, I guess? Finding a, a quarterback that is coachable to the style that you would like to see them play or being adaptable as a coach to coaching the style that they're most comfortable I think it's the second one, being adaptable, because, you know, all these guys are going to be able to do different things, you know, from whether they're more of a scrambler type or they're more of a pocket passer. Um, you got to look at all those different things and really the success, you know, they've had. Are, are they winners? You know, a lot of guys that I've been around were winners. Uh, they won football games. You know, Jalen, Justin, Phillip uh, were big-time winners. Uh, and just really the, the way they went about their process and getting prepared every week and how much do they love the game. And that's part of the process that we go through when we're looking at all positions because there's going to be a lot of talented guys, you know, in this draft, whether it's quarterbacks, wide receivers, you know, running backs, tight ends, you know, DBs, linebackers, D-line. Like, well, how much do they love it? Are they going to give it everything they got to be the best they can? And I think if you have an opportunity, you know, some of these guys that play for 10-plus years, they all got one thing in common, like, they love they love the grind. They love being a part of the grind, uh, and then I think that's what separates a lot of these good players from great players is how they prepare week in and week out for games. Shane, last one from me. Um, about a month ago on this show, myself, Jake, my co-host, and Mark, our producer, we did a uh, snake draft to pick who we thought the new Colts head coach would be. Um, I was fortunate enough to pick you. Uh, the bet was that Mark and Jake would owe me a six-pack of beer, or whoever won would get a six-pack of beer from the other two. It uh, shows you the type of people I work with. We're a month into this. Uh, no six-packs of Shane beer. Shane Steichen should pick the beer. have shown up, and so Let I will ask you, Shane. Did you guys, did the beer get, did you get it done already or no? 
there are no six packs of beer on the desk of mine. Um, so if you were the one heading into the liquor store near Eagle Creek or 56th Street, what would be the six pack of beer of choice for Shane Steichen? I'm not a huge beer drinker, to be completely honest, but if I had to pick one, I'd pick a Corona. Nice. Right. Nice. Well, nothing wrong with that, right? Hey, I had a couple now, last uh, week in Corona, Florida. Corona's probably more for the summertime, wintertime. I, I can't tell you. I know a lot of guys drink IPAs. I'm not a big yeah. beer drinker, though. Uh, I, I'm with you. IPA though in the summer is it's like maple syrup, right? Would you go a glass of wine? Or are you are, are you going a little liquor? What what would be the uh, the what would be the drink of choice? For me, uh, I'd sip on a thing of bourbon. Okay. All nice. Right. I like it. All right. I've got two other real quick questions for you, Coach. The first is this: the most crowded restaurant in Las Vegas, and every UNLV alum from the sports world is waiting to get a table. Larry Johnson, Randall Cunningham, Icky Woods, and Jerry Tarkanian are waiting outside. Which one gets the table? Gosh, you know what? That's a hard question for me because I haven't been there in a long time and there's so many good restaurants there. Uh, I really don't have a great answer for you. I'm Spread be them all out, right? Because I think there's a lot of good ones. Okay, last one is this. The movie Shane is my dad's all-time favorite movie with Alan Ladd, the old western. Please tell okay. me you've at least seen it once. You know what? I'm not going to lie either. Have not seen that. <laughs> Are you familiar with it? Nope. Wow. There you go. There's your homework. That's the first film you've got to watch. You don't have any well, other well, film to what's watch. Your, what's next. your favorite movie? That's a great question. Shawshank is really high on the list, man. Really high. Great, great I, movie. Great, great movie. one. There's a good one called Grand Canyon that I'm the only person that saw, but that's also... I like to say that's my favorite because then I sound smart. There you go. I love and it. What about you? What's your favorite movie? Gosh, there's a lot. I don't know. I, I don't have a favorite one, to be completely honest. Either. There's three answers I haven't given you in a row. <laughs> well, <laughs> all ball, right? That's, Isn't that how Chris Tyler right. described Shane Steichen earlier? Yeah, you, yeah, you want to talk some more football, I'll give you some answers there. <laughs> it is direct. It is football 24-7, 365. Shane, congrats. What an awesome opportunity. I can imagine what the last few weeks have been like for you, especially this week with your first combine. So appreciate you making time for us on this Friday morning and look forward to future conversations. Of course. Of course, appreciate you guys having me. That's Shane Steichen right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Jake, all pigskin. You know what? He was cool. Yeah, he's cool, but all pigskin. I mean, it is. He wants to talk football, 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 and then more football. I'd, l- I'd like to push back on your uh, your beer bet. You, you've been, you went to Florida like the week after it happened, and then you're at the Combine. When do you, when do you want this beer delivered? Shane Steichen was hired, I believe, uh, two and a half I weeks ago. Mark. I'm with Mark. Uh, I believe I was in studio Monday and Tuesday. I believe I was in studio the first four days of the Shane Steichen era. Somebody's going to end up with a six-pack of hams. Mm-hmm. I, I think Shane offered some Corona or bourbon. I, I would happily take a little bit of bourbon. Uh, hell, after I got w- bourbon for my 50th birthday. I've never had it before. My buddy McConnell got me a bottle of Jefferson's Reserve. It's like done on a, made on a ship. It's supposed to be pretty good. Bailing Jake out of jail this morning. I could go for a bourbon here <laughs> at about right. 10.05 no, on this I say? Friday Do I don't morning. get any credit for driving from here home and back in 46 minutes? No. You forgot your credential. Yeah. I didn't forget it. I grabbed the wrong one. Uh, Ryan Grigson's going to join us here in about five minutes. Until then, let's hit a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Last night in Madison, it was the Blue Boilermakers 63-61 over Wisconsin. And Kevin, as you had mentioned, that's impressive alone because they were kind of in control of the game from the get-go, even though it was basically a one-possession game throughout. But the chance now to win the Big Ten emphatically for Purdue. Yeah, I mean, it has been a hell of a season. I know, obviously, what's happened with IU, what's happened here 
of late dominates a lot of the Purdue conversation. But you win the Big Ten by multiple games. Ryan Grigson's got to be happy about the Boilers. I know. Winning the Big Ten. Um, Purdue is the outright champion. They will be the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament next week. And they outlasted Wisconsin last night 63-61. Jake, I am still amazed. Final 13 minutes of the game, the biggest lead either way was three points. Yeah, listen, down the stretch, and again, we talked about this earlier, I like the Brandon Newman off the get-go in terms of getting him more involved in the backcourt. I just think that's what Purdue's – that's going to be kind of their key, I think, down the stretch here in the NCAA tournament. Uh, elsewhere, by the way, in college basketball, it was Indiana State 97-58 over Evansville, Murray State 78-50 over Valpo, and as we talked about, Purdue winning over Wisconsin. Uh, one other note, Detroit Mercy's Antoine Davis, son of Mike Davis, Three points shy now of Pete Maravich. Seemingly their season may have come to an end. We'll see whether or not they play in a postseason tournament that they would have to buy their way into for fifty grand. They have to pay to the CBI to get into that tournament. That would give them a chance to become the all-time leading scorer in NCAA basketball history. Speaking of buying, the Pacers cannot buy any sort of hustle or, frankly, the athleticism the Spurs had last night. Out-hustled, out-athleted against one of the worst teams in the NBA. No Tyrese Halliburton. That showed up. 110-99, the Pacers lose in the Alamo last night. They will conclude their road trip in Chicago on a matinee. That's a 3.30 tip coming up on Sunday. Jake, you've heard me rant about this before. No Halliburton. Andrew Nimhard goes 0 for 8. Aaron Neesmith goes 0 for 4. Yeah, why Neesmith is, struggled. Why did Benedict Matherin play the second fewest minutes he's played all season? You know, I've kind of given up trying to figure out when the rotations of what they do from time to time. Um, but I also think, Kevin... Like, think short-term or long-term. Right. If you think either of them, it would make sense to play Matherin. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Head you know, I don't know. Yeah. It, again... But that goes back to, you know, some of the guys that was, you know, Jalen Smith didn't play for like a month, and then all of a sudden he's getting minutes again. So I just think they're trying to analyze and look at every single look from every angle that they can get. Again, Chicago coming up 3.30 on Sunday as the Pacers conclude a four-game road trip. And then a quick turnaround. Mark talked about it earlier. He's taking the family. Pacers and Sixers Monday night. We'll see if Joel Embiid and Miles Turner finally get to see each other this season. Lastly, Jake, sectional night. We talked about the Greg Rakestraw earlier. Semifinals tonight, the finals tomorrow. Safe travels for everybody around the state. A lot of rain here in central Indiana. Up north, sounds like some snow. So, lo and behold, first Friday in March, we get sectional weather, I'm right? I'm telling you, they're gonna, there's going to have to be snow because it's sectionals. That's the, that's a, that is an Indiana rule, Kev, an Indiana rule. And there's going to have to be snow because I'm off to St. Pete. Indy car opener on Sunday. Time screen flag fat. Noonish? Uh, 12 o'clock, yep. Coming up on Sunday's IndyCar season. Is that race on Peacock or is that on NBC? It's on NBC. Every race is on NBC except for the Toronto races on Peacock, I believe, this year. And, of course, the IndyCar Radio Network. That's, that's of course, right. Thank you, Kevin. We will carry that leading into the Pacers. All right, Ryan Grigson, he joins us next here live at the Combine. Live here. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. At the NFL Combine, we are rounding out the week. Shane Steichen just joined us. That'll be up on the podcast afterwards. And we will close out today with Ryan Grigson, of course, the general manager here of the Colts from 2012 to 2016. Just experienced the playoff season with the Vikings, senior senior vice president of player personnel. 
up there in Minnesota, and this is what combine number 16, 18, 20. I think it's over 20 because you do the math. But I think I, I start coming here in '98. Didn't get invited as a player. Um, somehow managed to get drafted still. But I, uh, yes. Yeah, so it's up there. I actually kind of want to start there if you don't mind. I didn't even think about this, but I mean, you certainly, from a medical standpoint. The combine would have been a huge deal for you, right? I, I don't know how it much. Probably you want to, would have been a ne- big negative. How much you want to share? But it, it, yeah. if you don't mind sharing yeah. a little bit medically, like that's yeah. what this week is so much about. Yeah, it would have been good. I got been able to interview with people and things like that. But it was uh, at the time I broke my leg against IU, the last game of my senior year. All right, against you suckers, and then. Then I ended up, um, and then I hurt my shoulders, so I couldn't bench, and I was actually a solid workout guy, so I couldn't really even do those types of things. So, uh, But I had a laundry list of, of injuries that happened from 1992 on, and prior to that, like, I literally, I never had a twisted ankle, and I and I played three sports and played contact football since I was a little guy, so so I got hurt significantly my, June, my sophomore year. I was in the hospital like four weeks, and... Uh, pretty sick and freak accident and then uh, but I started the next two years and still managed to get drafted I worked out for a handful of teams right before uh, right right before um, the, the last day that you could and I worked out for the Bengals on Good Friday I'll never forget it the old line coach really liked me and drafted me and did that having to go through that like kind of the scrap and claw let me ask you this: the, the 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 route you had to take, Ryan, to to become a player in the NFL, that yeah. scrap and claw, kind of having to prove yourself type thing. Did that approach and that journey more benefit you towards yourself for your career, or towards identifying that in other players that mm-hmm. you think are, are kind of underdogs that you can look at and say that's going to pan out? Yeah, that's really good stuff. That, that that's exactly both. I think you hit both of them. I think I. Uh, I think you're mellow with age, but I think that I rode that wave early in my career trying to, like, because I've done every job since entry-level combine scout to to GM now that I've gotten this job. So I've kind of rode that passion and just that chip on my shoulder. Not a lot of guys go D1 out of the region for some reason. It's like you just go across the border in the Chicago Catholic League and and, and public league. You know, the whole country's recruiting those guys. Right. And... uh, you know, so I was fortunate enough to, to get an offer from Purdue. And, uh, but with, with, uh, with that, I think that you can't be truly so, – you can't just draft overachievers, you know, or you're going to go 0-16 probably. So you've got to be able to see if you can pull it out of some really talented guys. And some guys that just roll out of bed and can play left tackle or rush a passer – I mean, those are the guys you want, but a lot of times they're the guys that don't go hard every snap. What does this week entail? I, that's what I thought you could really shed light on, <clears throat> because you've you know you've walked into this event wearing different hats over the course of your yeah. career. But does everybody have kind of a different role in terms of what they're looking for here within an organization, or, or you know how does it exactly work out? Role meaning, uh, you know, does one guy does one guy say you know you say okay you you are in charge of going and listening to interviews you this you know jim you're in charge of watching tape you're in charge of watching bench press i mean what what oh, all yeah. what all goes into the disperse of responsibilities well, for an organization i mean everybody does it differently i think and every year the combine changes a little bit this is such a different event than it was 20 years ago i mean when i first got into this i worked for the combine and i was the club insert 
into into NFS National Football Scouting that's you know based here in Indianapolis Jeff Foster and those guys and I mean I literally the guy that was used to be the boss is a guy named Duke Babb that was on the first Cowboys team in Dallas and he was a tough old guy that literally I mean we used to come here and fold socks like for a week inch t-shirts he was super meticulous really made a great influence on me um, just about crossing T's dot and I's being super detailed accountable all those things and if you did one thing wrong if there was one thing in your report that wasn't copacetic it was marked in red and sent to you by FedEx and you know that was a deal but from then till now I still think the bulk of it is the player interviews the medical and just seeing the players move you're gonna get the numbers the drills have been you know they've been just worked on so much from the time the player season ends you know um, I don't I think people still look hard at some of them um, but to your question there's so many different ways you can you can kind of go about it but we have so many employees now working on these things and you have so many people that are kind of they splice it up different ways I mean I think every team does it differently but at the end of the day I think most people look at the core things that are here which is the numbers getting your hands on the player um, and then just seeing the players move in the drills. When you bring up numbers and you think about quarterback, obviously so much attention around Bryce Young and what he's going to measure in at height and weight-wise. Let's say he's 5'11", 195. Yeah. How concerning would that be for you? I think it depends on the team. Like if some people – there's some teams that philosophically and how some of these GMs have been raised from certain, you know, teams and GMs and those trees – that they just they don't touch anybody that's not height weight speed at certain positions so they're going to pass on the Barry Sanders they're going to pass is quarterback you know, usually one of those or, or do you look at it, a Russell Wilson you look at Drew Brees and you say well those are the exceptions but they those are new exceptions but isn't there a danger I've always heard Ryan there's a danger of you know there's always exceptions to the rule yep but aren't you safer going by the rule than the exception I'll tell you, that's just to be really blunt, I think it all depends, too, on where the head coach and that GM are in, their, in kind of their contract here and where they're at. Because if you, you're going to care a lot less about a guy's size when you put on the tape and he's blowing everybody else away in that class with his playmaking ability, his instincts, and just the way he throws the football. You're going to think less. So there's been guys that there's you have, you have hard evidence now of smaller quarterbacks being able to play at a high level in this league how much of a factor is it when you look at a prospect to look at the receivers he's throwing in other words if one guy is coming out of a marquee program but he's thrown to three guys that are all going to be playing on Sunday does that almost hurt his evaluation because you look at like a Josh Allen for example at Wyoming and you go okay well look who he's throwing to and he had he put up these numbers I, th I think you can you can look at that obviously I don't get I personally don't get in the weeds on that too much it's like saying well this guy had 16 sacks but did you see the tack left tackle he had those sacks things? well that's not his fault right you know so I think like if a guy pops on tape nice cheese it socks by the way there thank you Cape, yeah, yeah I got going. Sullivan's <laughs> yeah, yeah I had yeah. to stop at Sullivan's yeah. in your time here I'm, yeah. I'm running home to get my credential they let him in with cheese it socks I got fr Pringles <laughs> at home come on try to try to rotate among yeah. the uh, food groups yeah my first honestly you say Sullivan's my first 49th and Penn, right there. My first, there's a Marriott right there, right? You talk, oh no, 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 the no hardware that's store. that one in Carmel. So there was a there was a Marriott in Carmel when I first got here in 2012. I stayed at the Marriott there for like a month until I got into this condo they put me up in here until my family moved like six months later. And there was a Sullivan's there, 
and you know, I would leave, it'd be dark, I would come back, it would be dark, and I had like one hour before they would close at Sullivan's, and I ate there literally no, every night. A hard, he bought these at a hardware store, hardware. not the Sullivan's well, Steakhouse. I wouldn't think you'd get Cheez-Its at the Sullivan's. Correct. Your line of yeah. thought would be correct yeah. here. Yes. I'm still waking up. So Brussels sprouts and Cheez-Its on well, the side I, of the uh, What restaurant Sullivan's was menu? it a must that you, I mean, you're back, so you're like, okay, I'm here for the combine, we have to go eat where? Well, Shapiro's is is numero uno for me. It's a twelve minute walk from this from the Lucas Oil. <laughs> but who's timing it? So, so uh, well, a lot of people are timing. You have to with this with how how we're just buried in these interviews. I mean, you just you, going to the restroom or getting food is is, is tough. Um, but I hit Shapiro's. I want to get the Fat Dan's. Haven't yet. Of course, hit Patatou like three times already. The original was like by my house. You can't beat that. Um, I hear this Tony's is really good, the steakhouse. Yeah, the, I haven't been there, but it's yeah. supposed to be good. Venture into Mama Carolla's or Ambrosia? Are you going to get that I, far north? I, I love, yeah, that was right in my hood there. That yeah. was that was a go-to. I would just sit the bar there. They're mussels, and I'm a fish snob because I've been out east on the water many times, like, throughout my career. It's kind of been home base, and, and their mussels there, and the broth is it's out of this world. Can't be beaten. You know, it, it's got to be interesting. I For you... I just saw actually yesterday the Vikings, they did like the player survey, and yeah. the Vikings got like yeah. straight A's in terms yeah. of like great organizations to be with. Yeah. So you're in a good place. You're in a good home, obviously, Absolutely. with a good franchise. Is it weird to be an Indy? It was more weird, uh, you know, a handful of years ago. You know, it was more weird. Uh, but it's kind of, you know, it wears off. I think everybody has a kind of it takes everybody a little bit of time in this business um you know after you get let go and you when you come back to a place but it's my roots the thing is that people a lot of people don't understand is like my roots run much deeper than the colts i'm from indiana i met my wife i went to purdue played at purdue i have so many teammates and friends we made in india that are still here there's just so many people that i'm you know they're still close to my family and i that you know it's 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 not that weird um you know coming to lucas oil um, you know, I just thought, you know, T.Y. is not up there anymore. So it's like, you know, that, you know, we had the game this year with, 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 with the Colts that, you know, the, the, chapter's, the, the chapter's closed. I mean, it couldn't have been closed any better, really. You know, I, I told you, Ryan, Ryan Grigson's our guest here at the, at the Scouting Combine. We told the story 20 times this morning about my nightmare this morning as I got here and realized I grabbed the wrong credential. And they were not going to let me in at all in any way, shape, or form. I had to drive. Bad morning. It was awful. Okay, so I'm I'm running to my car. It was a nightmare. Is that kind of what the nightmare was when when you were down like 57 to nothing to the Colts this year? You guys end up winning that game, but yeah, it was it was. I mean, the NFL's you know obviously every game you just never know um, you know what's going to happen. But obviously that was a monumental comeback is greatest in NFL history and you know you got four quarters of play like I <laughs> I've lived it so much we did you know we were down f- four scores you know with luck and I think that that was at the time the second greatest comeback in NFL history so it's pretty cool that you know I've been part of both those things and uh, it's also taught me to that's why I like most GMs like that they'd never you don't ever send them a text like until it's zero 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 on the clock it just you just don't because you've lived through too many times of of either being on the right side or wrong side of that fence if you, you can't jump the gun there's just the crazy things happen in this league and you know that game was it was incredible it was really incredible was that for you 
Was that maybe the sign or the moment where you realized that that page had been turned? Because maybe emotionally it wasn't what it would have been three years ago or five years ago. I mean, like, I would be a, you know, a fool, like, if, if it didn't, you know? Because if I'm being real, I mean, I'm a competitor. I feel, uh, you know, you know, things didn't work out here. You know, we didn't win a championship. That's what you're, that's what you're measured on. We had a, had a hell of a quarterback. I was charged with, you know, building the team to win it all. And I don't think we could have been by the book on a better trajectory until year four, into year four. Um, but, you know, it's, that's life. You learn from it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I wouldn't trade it because what it taught me now going into these, new, these other roles I've been in, I think has been seamless for me because I'm just an open book and I'm shameless with the people I work with and it served me well. You, you talk about the trajectory heading into year four. What do you think changed? What, what do you think went a different way? Our quarterback got hurt. <laughs> I mean, that's it's that simple. Um, you know, we, you know, I also think it's, you know, I'm getting too far back into this deal. I think, uh, you know, when, when I think Hasselbeck was 40 at the time, and, I mean, that guy couldn't have done a better job. I mean, he darn near took us into the playoffs and won a good number of games for us in, in Andrew's stead. And, and, you know, he won those 16 straight division wins. That's, that's the only ball I care about that I have for my time here and for any of the, you know, any of the stuff I, you know, had, had gotten. You know, that's, that was something that was special for me. You're not talking. I feel like that's probably what you're most proud of, and correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, yeah. is the 16 straight divisional wins. On the flip side of that, what would be maybe your biggest regret? You know, not putting together what would have won a championship because ultimately, uh, you know, that's what you're charged in doing. And, you know, was, you know, at the, your, your older self is always something that you wish you could talk to your younger self. Um, but there's a lot of learning on the fly. Uh, at a young age for me and you know I don't beat myself self up about it anymore it's in the past but uh, again like a general manager's job is to take the bullets and to build the team and uh, again you know I, I never doubted that we'd win a championship we didn't and that's life I think the thing uh, Ryan Grigson's our guest and before we get back into because I, I do have some questions about building a roster like you know the challenges that takes place at the combine right but tell me if this is a fair statement to kind of conclude I guess the, the talk of Indy my guess would be that you're a guy that the, the most important things to you, aside from football, are you're a family guy that's an Indiana guy. Mm -hmm. And so Indianapolis was kind of by extension your family, and you wanted more than life itself to be able to deliver to everybody here. So then when it didn't happen, you know, you're thinking to yourself, look, like this I'm still family though like why why like that's what's the challenge here is nobody wanted this more than I did for the people here because I'm one of them is that a fair statement yeah I just don't think that was ever a connection that people made for whatever reason and I think part of it is because you know I wasn't a social butterfly with the media and that wasn't how I was raised in this business that whether that's right wrong or or a mistake you know I don't know but that's how I was raised in it and uh, my focus, and I'll never back off, it was about winning football games, doing whatever it took. That was my mindset, and I just really didn't veer off that. Whether it was, uh, you know, in hindsight, should I have talked to my agent and said, okay, on Tuesday, take an hour to talk to so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. I, I just had ants in my pants. I couldn't, I was, it was hard for me to, 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 to kind of like 
stop and do those types of things. What, what's the hardest thing about just, like at the combine, what's the hardest thing to, to determine of a prospect? Like when guys are here and they're watching, you talk about watching film and watching yeah. the drills, what's the just the hardest thing to really nail down about a player? If he's BSing you or not, I guess. I mean, I, I was I was walking through the, um, you know, the walkway here from the JW and I bumped into an old, into an old GM asking what he was doing now and he's 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 training you know these these players and getting them ready for interviews now <laughs> so he's on the flip side of it and he's right. like hey he talked to another GM and was like I know you talked to this guy I could tell you talked to this guy <laughs> and it's just it's it's it's, it's kind of funny um, but I I feel and I told him I said you know what I, I think because I just circled names I keep it keep it kind of simple I just circled names like when I watch film guys that pop like you know don't don't overthink it like if a guy comes in the room has a presence announces his name shakes your hand and looks you in the eye and everybody feels that that's easy that guy it's like when you throw on a film of a quarterback that's innately accurate that's no matter what platform he's on he's delivering the ball in a place that could be caught like don't overthink it and I feel like it's the same way when someone comes into the room don't start splitting hairs if you really think a guy is a you're feeling it and it's emanating from the type of person he is and it lines up with all the things your scouts said then circle that guy and and let him be a, a hard target did you ever have a guy that that popped off on tape because you were watching for somebody else you know hey i'm, I'm gonna watch the film on x team because i want to see this player and then you're like well wait a minute this all other guy's jumping out at me all the time all the time there was a corner i was watching the other day when i was doing a receiver and i was like okay and i just wrote the top of my paper like all right number two is he coming out just because you know the corners i looked at this year like i you know i i like you know i like a good number of them but um this guy was really his tempo his physicality and just the things i kept seeing in my periphery that i wasn't even trying to look at those are the guys you want to really asterisk and and kind of make sure you make a notation and get back to them because if you're look if you're trying to focus on somebody else like you said and this guy keeps getting in, in your grill, then you gotta you gotta take note of that. What what position's deepest in this draft? Do you think? Uh, I think there's not a lot of premier uh, linemen like that. Um, you know, you're like, okay, this guy's a top five guy or a top ten guy. But there's a lot of I think there's a lot of really good linemen in this draft. Um, Both sides of the ball. I think offense. I think offensive line. Um, and now, def- you know, the thing is, is that on the defensive side of the ball the, now, things are so multiple now. It's like, what do we call this guy? Is he a DN? Is he a 3-4 outside linebacker? Is he a hybrid guy? Is he a nickel rusher? You just like, say edge for everything. That's what I do. Well, that's what's happening. Any guy's an edge. That's what's He's happening. An edge. And we went to it from a 4-3 to a 3-4 in, in, in Minnesota. And it was kind of like when I got here, it was like it was a 4-3 for so long. Like, the scouts were like, what the, what, wait a second. These guys, linebackers are on the, on the, on the line of scrimmage in there standing up and rushing the passer like you know what i mean so <laughs> right. there's there's definitely a transition with all that stuff we probably should ask you this before the interview but you got five minutes yeah okay we, we got to take a break i do want to get your thoughts uh, a little bit more on this quarterback class when we come back ryan grixon with us here live at the combine former colts general manager currently with the vikings uh, he's going to close out the show with us next whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, one final time here. I'm back at the NFL Combine. I'm Kevin Bowen, Jake Query. Jake out of jail after not having his credential to start this okay. Friday morning. That's good. Ryan Grigson saving us here to close things out. Ryan, I asked you a little bit earlier about Bryce Young. Um, 
I give you three quarterback traits. What are the three most important? You got to be a leader, obviously. I mean, the the, the great ones can put their team on their back. Uh, I think the way the league is set up now, um, you know, you you can say, well, if we have a solid guy and we build the something close to the 85 Bears defense, then maybe we have a chance. But I think in this day and age, I, I think that you need to have somebody that can really just put you on his back. And, and I think accuracy and the ability to make plays under duress is kind of the, the really rounds it out. Do you see multiple guys that check those boxes in this class? I do. I do. I think that uh, there's a good cluster of players that, you know, if I was doing it, that I would be looking really, really hard at. Um, every year, you know, no matter who you have, you're always looking at them, like every GM says. But, uh, you know, then you have to also look at the Brock Purdy's of the world. You know, I was, I got a Super Bowl ring with Kurt Warner. I was working in the Arena League like two years prior to getting that ring that an Arena League quarterback that wasn't supposed to make the team his first year there as a three um, ends up winning. So they're, you got to figure out sometimes um, some of those guys later too. There's, you know, Russell was in three. There's, there's examples. You know, you wonder too, like if Trent Green never gets hurt, does Kurt Warner? I mean, do they see enough in practice where they're like, man, we got to elevate this guy? I mean, Brady's the same right? thing. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's, it's destiny sometimes. Um, in in today's day, 2023, which would you rather have, dynamic running back or elite tight end? It's starting to the, the running back thing is starting to is, is starting to kind of be the new in vogue kind of like you know you couldn't take one and one for a while and it's now kind of uh, creeping its way back because there's some guys in this draft that can not only carry the rock but they're really good in the passing game and that's a big part of it right it, it, yeah. you got to be multidimensional yeah. and, and the thing about the tight end thing is is I have a son now it's a junior high school that's a a Y tight end and I'm like dude if you can catch it consistently and you have length and you can actually win at the point of attack you're going to be so valuable because even in our league that tight end position they've grown into they've kind of grown into being just oversized wide receivers that can't win at the point of attack so uh you know if you find an elite tight end nowadays they usually can hold for like a one maybe a two count at the point of attack versus a defense runner outside linebacker, but they're really a receiver. Well, your son gets to play it in 40 degrees below zero weather for half the season, too, so that's <laughs> yeah. fun, right? Yeah, yeah. I've got five teenagers now. Well, a 20-year-old and four teenagers. Anybody so. playing hockey up there? I remember they were involved in hockey yeah. back in the day. Isn't that crazy? Like, we when we were in Indy, like, my my, my oldest boy, he he's uh, playing uh, quarterback in um, lacrosse now as a freshman in college, and he was a, he was the hockey guy. And none of the rest of them play hockey. And you know, when I first got to Minnesota, you you watch TV, and they're they're put. There's eighteen thousand people watching high school hockey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at like, the Excel Center. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't when I first saw it. I'm like, this is a high school game. I mean, we're talking twenty thousand people oh, watching yeah. high school hockey. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Uh, Ryan, thank you. You got it. I Good seeing you guys. Appreciate the time. I know it's a super busy week, and uh, greatly appreciate. Good stuff. Appreciate it. All right, guys. That's Ryan Grixon with us here. Uh, thank you to everybody that joined us all week long here at the combine. We are signing off. We'll be back in studio on Monday. Kevin and Query. One final time here at the convention center, 93.5, 107.5, the fan.